I don't want to do this. What? I thought you were looking forward to this episode. I don't want to talk about this. But you used to love the Thundercats. You actually watched it as a small child. I know. I like the heroes and I like the spaceships, but I don't want to... You know it's there. It's just a topic. It's got to be brought up at some point. Oh, not this again. <laughs> There's a mummy in the show. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to have to say it. There's a, a mummy in the show. This is... Babe, you f***ing horrifying. You don't have to worry about mummies. It's okay. We don't live anywhere near Egypt. We live in LA. The worst we have here is the Egyptian theater. And there's no mummies there, I swear. Do you think they have mummies there? No, I just said they didn't. The worst they have is that awful Tom Cruise movie. Don't worry. And the Scientology Center next door. (laughs) You just broke character. No, I didn't. Thundercats. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello. What have you been doing lately? That's what we're asking <laughs> this week on Sadie Hawkins Pod. No, we're talking about Lionel. That I is the am song Lionel. that comes right after it, though. What are you looking for? I forgot the Bluetooth speaker. Where is it? What'd you do with it? Danny. Why are you taking my Bluetooth speaker? Oh, <laughs> it's underneath our copy of All Work and No Play. That's right. Which is a song, which... This song is on the demo, All Work and No Play, it as is. well as Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek. Yeah. So here it is. Here's the Bluetooth. We don't need it just yet, but I want to make sure I had it. Top of the show business? Yes, we have voicemails. Actually, I do need the Bluetooth right away. <laughs> so here is um, one of the voicemails from David Ketch from going back to last week, referencing our episode from two weeks ago. Nice. Uh, my favorite Reliant K podcast finally did my... Or covered my favorite Reliant K song, Sahara, uh, was the song that got me into Reliant K. So after hearing this episode, it it really put more insight into the song for me. I really like the song because of the poetry, but I also feel like after Jeff read off the song meanings, uh, I feel like I can see both sides of what you guys are saying. Like, it is about a girl. But I also believe that the bridge is about him crying out to God as well, especially the part where he says, I'm not alone. I'll be all right. Please take, or, you know, take these bones and bring them back to life. I don't think he's talking to the, to the girl during that part, but I don't know. That's just my interpretation. I mean, yeah, I agree. Going back to Sahara. Uh, I guess part of what got my feathers in a ruffle or what's a cat version of that? I don't know. Um, (laughs) With that guy on song meetings two weeks ago was not that. Yes. This song is about a breakup and like almost all of Reliant K's music, even the songs that aren't directly in reference to God or Christianity or faith or any of that. It, it still comes through a lens of that. That's like a major part of their life experience, of Matt Thiessen's life experience. So For that sure. always is going to flavor even the most secular song, like Collapsible Lung, right? Like all those worldly references in Collapsible Lung. I'm just saying this to get Jessica. To get a Jessica. 
<laughs> so what got me all worked up last week with that two weeks ago with that song meanings guy was not that he not that I thought there's no God in this song or there's no Christ in this in Sahara. There certainly is. I agree with David here that actually that bridge probably is April, April is rattling she, her ball. She always waits until <laughs> like a we're prisoner. Recording. Like a prisoner <laughs> hitting her dish against the bars of her cell. She like <laughs> always waits to eat, like right until we hit record. She's like, Oh, you guys are in the kitchen? I, think I should we, be eating I, too. She stopped because I think we embarrassed her. So <laughs> the bridge, yeah, I agree. That is definitely a faith based bridge. She is most likely talking to God, especially the reference of bringing these bones back to life. And oh my gosh. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> what are you doing? What have you been doing lately? She just scampered off for April. <laughs> but it's the way in which the song meanings writer said, this isn't just about some girl. Right. But it was. <laughs> but it's like not binary. It's not one or the other. Just like goes back to my Be My Escape thing, which I understand it, that is mostly leaning towards being about your relationship with Christ. But this even, Sahara, even more than that, it leans towards talking about the relationship with his fiance, but it absolutely also is talking about his relationship with, with Christ. Absolutely. That song meanings guy though, he was like, this isn't just about chasing skirts. I'm like, it's not chasing skirts. It's his fiance. You rude, awful person. Like he acted like it was just some like, ugh. They did, in fact, use the term chasing skirt. It's it, about it was hilarious. One of, it's about a love of his life. It's like not about yeah. chasing skirts. Yeah. And of course, it can definitely jerk. have more than one meaning. Yeah. Um, the jerk I'm talking about, if no one heard our Sahara episode, is the song meanings writer, not David Ketch, who has very good points here. I am not attacking David. We do tend to attack our, our callers, though. <laughs> we do do that. I just don't call them jerks. Solid track record. <laughs> but yeah, I like the song. It's a song that the reason why I like Forget Not Slow Down, the first song I ever, Reliant K song that I ever heard. Also, in the past episode, Danny mentions Homegrown and how they always blame the girls. But in the Actor Age album, there's at least three songs in a row where he's like, I regret doing this to you. So, yeah, not not every every Homegrown song is about blaming the girl. And then, uh, and then I'll leave the voicemail with this. Is uh, Danny mentioned trying to be uh, a vegan or a vegetarian, but eating salmon probably just makes him an ovo lacto vegetarian, maybe. All right, I'll I'll talk to you guys. I'll talk to you too later. Uh, I'm not dead. I'm here. Hey. All right. Have a good one. Bye. I don't know what ovo lacto vegetarian means. I'm good. I'm not gonna have. It. I'm not gonna bother looking it up. I thought just pescatarian it, means it you mean, eat fish. Yeah, but it means that you eat fish and dairy and, and eggs. Ve- yeah. And eggs. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> what was the other thing you said here? Uh, or maybe that you don't eat dairy and oh, eggs. Homegrown. I'm not sure. Yeah, whatever. So homegrown. Yeah, I do remember like last night. Regrets is a song off Actor Age, but go check out my appearance on the Zeitgeist Lab Pod because we they mostly were talking focusing on the album Kings of Pop, and 
I did a deep dive preparing for my appearance on that podcast, listening to a lot of Homegrown. And Homegrown was a band that because of their, especially in the late 90s, their close connections with MXPX and Blink-182, I was convinced that like, oh, I must like Homegrown. And it was just one of those situations where it took me years and I was like, wait, I tried to force myself to like Homegrown. I just realized I just don't really like them that much. But they do have a number of really misogynistic songs but he's but david's right there is at least he said three but yeah last night regrets is one you know what i like more than kings of pop that's not kings of hollywood yeah jessica's favorite song mxpx song is one of the most reviled mxpx songs (laughs) truly it is (laughs) i love kings of hollywood (laughs) so we have one more voicemail from david one more thing, going back to the last Patreon episode that you guys talked about, the collapsible lung episode, I wanted to say I have been listening to the podcast. I just haven't been able to call in lately because I've been busy. Well, what have you been doing lately? Damn it. I wanted to say that. <laughs> do you want to do, do it again and, and no, pretend that's okay. you No, because you see, here's the thing, Dan. If you beat me to something or have like a witty insight or a mm-hmm. fun antidote to mm-hmm. share, mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to bring you down and try and take credit for it or or say that, well, you know, I'm the clever one in the family. So how did you come up with that? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember. I don't live in the past. <laughs> and after that awkwardness, Google Voice decided to crash. Okay, hold on. The album. Anyways, I wanted to say that Reliable J made a really good point about the album. And it kind of changed my mind about the album. But I, I still still don't, uh, I guess, appreciate it as much. You know, I felt really good about David Ketch's last call because he opened it up by saying that we were his favorite Reliant K podcast. (laughs) But in this voicemail, he called up and started talking about Reliable J. So I just don't really know. What's the truth? Yeah. All he said was he listened to Reliable J. (laughs) I appreciate it more, just not enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was also me. Danny kept mentioning my name. Hi, I'm David Catch. That it was me that called in a year ago or over a year ago at this point where I was like, I'll listen to Don't Blink. And I liked it. But then I listened to the whole album. Then I was like, what happened? What? What is this? So yeah, you were right, Danny. All right. Bye. Yeah. So on our Patreon episode, which you can go to patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod, we listen to all of those collapsible long youtube reviews and i was like someone called us up early in the podcast and said they listened to don't blink and then when they were psyched for the whole album and then when they got the whole album they were super disappointed it was david it was david catch the whole time i couldn't remember because like we've been doing this for years now we're coming up on our fifth anniversary <laughs> So are we going to go back and catch up on any old voicemails or are we just going to go ahead and start talking about the song? Let's just go ahead and start talking about the song because we do have a guest today. That's right. And our guest is our friend Matt, who we knew, who we met at our film school. Uh, His name is Matt Kiernan and he's online as Heavy Ordnance Studio. For anyone who listens to Magnified Pod, he's done the artwork for Magnified Pod for the last two seasons 
which I connected them because our friend Matt isn't like Christian or anything. I feel like when we've talked about it, he certainly said like he has no affinity or connection to like Christian rock and youth group culture or anything. That's not a part of his story or We'll life. ask him about it. We'll ask him about it. But we're going to talk about uh, our review, our thoughts on like the specific Thundercats episodes we all watched Yeah. later. The reason he's going to be on the episode, he'll spoil this now, <laughs> is because his wedding gift to us was these like giant Thundercats decals that he made. Like for, for your car or something. <laughs> right. Because... We got married only a couple of years after college and yeah. like all our friends were, you know, and we were still getting on our feet, certainly, which you can hear about in our April episode, our episode about our dog, April. Not only did we talk about the history of, this is a Patreon episode, not only did we talk about the history of adopting and meeting our dog, April, who's now our podcast engineer, but we had to like kind of go through the history of why we moved so much in the first few years of our marriage to end up rescuing her so you can hear all about like how we kind of moved around and where why we got married in new jersey when we have no other real connection to that state all that but anyway all our friends were still getting on their feet so we tried to make sure like everybody had to travel to new jersey in the middle of winter so none of our college (laughs) friends were we like anticipating and we were trying to make sure we had cheap things on our lists on our registries right but then matt gave us these thundercats decals and i never used them they're still out there somewhere because not only is matt a great artist but he's also like really good at uh some sort of printing i don't know we can ask him about it but he's worked for like printing companies yeah he's he's a super talented dude and we always out of all of our friends from school sorry i'm just waxing about matt right now out of all of our (laughs) friends from school he's constantly like been in some of the places we moved as well yeah like when we left florida we didn't see him for a while and then when we he moved away and when we moved back to florida he also moved back to florida so we got to see him for a little bit there and then he moved to la and then we moved to la so he's like this one friend that we you know we've not there's lots of people we haven't lost touch with but for some reason matt has stayed like physically in our lives so Anyway, Thundercats. Staple. Good He's friend. a staple, yeah. Which, that's why we're talking about staples this week. <laughs> so what have you been doing lately? I brought up because this has that great lead-in from to what have you been doing lately at the end. Yeah. As the song ends, it goes da 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 What have you been doing? Like, it's, got, it's got a great transition, but we've already done what have you been doing lately. And it's funny where we dissected that and we're like, this is, this song is so problematic. This song feels (laughs) like, what have you been doing lately? Following Thundercats, music wise, is such a great transition because Thundercats, you've got this like early style pop punk jam about something nostalgic and fun, like a cartoon show specifically. And then it goes. It's a super goofy theme. Yeah. Into, like, a well, very judgmental theme. But forgetting that, because when we did What Have You Been Doing Lately, you mentioned that, like, you didn't really dig deep into the lyrics before we did this podcast, right? So when you listen to a fun pop-punk song about a goofy cartoon show, and it goes into that ska-esque opening of What Have You Been Doing Lately, and then it cuts in, you know, and then it goes into more pop-rock and pop-punk, you're like, yeah, this is a great two-song set right here. But then you dig into the lyrics of what you were doing lately, and it's like, this is nothing compared to I am I know. <laughs> <laughs> Judging people because they had beer in college. 
listen to our what have you been doing lately episode when we're done with when we finish this podcast we should put all the episodes in uh oh my gosh in order in in discography order and then we should listen to them all and make that (laughs) the second season of our podcast where we review each episode no that's not really happening yeah, classic early Reliant K 80s references, of which right. the first, like, you know, three albums are, are chock full of. And like you mentioned a minute ago, this is a holdover from the demo, All Work and No Play. It's right. track two. And then they re-recorded it for Anatomy. I have to say, demo version over Anatomy version. Oh, really? Forget about gold versus non-gold. All Work and No Play is where it's at. Oh, wow. I like the mix better. I love the cringy meow mix intro thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's like they're doing the sarcastic snotty punk thing, but <laughs> like the most vanilla oh, wait, good Christian boy version of it. <laughs> that sloppy guitar, outstanding. And of course, British Teeson is out in full effect, which I just picture like a young Mac Teeson with a fake lip ring shaking his shaggy hair into his eyes as he shouts into the microphone for some reason. I don't know why, I just do. I had a fake lip ring because who can commit to being a full-time <laughs> punk? I was a good girl, but watch out because that occasional fake lip ring let you know that I had, was a little edgy. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't remember you wearing a fake ring. I a feel fake like I ring. mostly just did it for pictures. It was definitely like a MySpace profile picture type type thing. When I used to stalk your MySpace before we dated, I don't remember that. Oh, we should ask Matt if he remembers that. Matt's from the Matt's from MySpace days. Yeah. When you said cringy, I tried to make in the background there while you're still talking. I was gonna, I was like cringy, like cringer, and I'm like, wait a second, nope, that's the He-Man cat. So it was like I have no idea what you're talking so about. So Snarf, you remember Snarf, right? We watched the episode. Snarf is the little cowardly cat yeah, that's he's, not he's, bipedal he's the cat that the cats own like the space cats have their own cat <laughs> and that cat has a tail and the space main space cats don't yeah but he can talk so he's like he's he's sentient he's not a pet and he's not a slave uh, excuse me pets are sentient right he's sentient and capable of language he's communi- he can be communicated with fully he doesn't, his brain... Regular dogs and cats are capable of language. N- n- well, no, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> are we just getting into it? We're just, we're just jumping right in? No, I'm just, I was just trying to point out the fact that I mix up this character. Look at my phone, Jess. Yeah. This character, which is Snarf from Thundercats. Uh-huh. And I mix him up all the time with uh, this one, Cringer. From oh, He-Man. I see. They're both scaredy cats, gotcha. unintended. They're gotcha. both like, because they, Cringer is uh, He-Man, you know, Adam He-Man's green cat who's a scaredy cat, like a Scooby-Doo, but then he can transform into Wait, battle his cat. name is Adam He-Man? Well, I believe He-Man's like actual name is Adam. Oh, okay. Uh, his his name isn't Adam He Man though, not like Mario Mario <laughs> in the Mario movie. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I have to ask because this is another reason why we're having Matt on later is because I was just too young for Thundercats. It started before I was born, so I never really like 
watched it or I'm sure they played it in syndication, but I never I never saw it. Right. So I don't have a lot to say about the show. I mean, now I do because we watched <laughs> we watched the first three episodes of so, the original of the original. And yeah. Jessica watched most of the 2011 reboot first episode with me. But I wanted you to have someone to talk to and like nerd out about <sighs> Thundercats. Thundercats <specific> <laughs> So we'll talk more about Thundercats. You know, we'll we'll have to dip into it here and there as we talk more about the song. But we'll focus more Thundercats talk for later. Um, so a note, the lyrics are a little bit different between the demo and anatomy versions. Because, like I mentioned before, the demo version starts off with a cover of the Meow, Me- Meow Mix jingle. Right. It's and I have to talk about that as long as... Yeah, I guess we're going kind of chronologically... Um, so here is, I already did an Instagram story about this, but here is the opening of the all work and no play version. Okay, so I played it up to the lyrics, so then you hear him begin the Meow Mix uh, jingle there. But that specific, like, Emo Diaries-esque guitar work in in which they kind of, like, put the Meow Mix lyrics into... I was talking to Jessica about this earlier, and she couldn't remember this, but I was like, well, save it for the podcast. Tell me if you remember this song from the late 90s. Anything yet? No. <laughs> you don't remember it? I'm not, I'm not expecting that you have to, but... Maybe when the... Man, this is more butt rock than I remember. I remember this being sort of like, not emo at all, but like, emo in the way of like, Everlong by Foo Fighters kind of being like a modern rock song that was taking cues from the emo that was happening. Maybe when it kicks in. It's four minutes long. Let me skip ahead a little bit. So this is the Verve Pipe with their song, The Freshman, from their album, Villains. Gotta find that. uh... Here we go. Man, the Verve Pipe. I hope Verve Pipe is not a litigious band. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta play so much to... Jog your memory. This is from like 97, so. And it's like, oh, here we go. Jessica's shaking her head. So basically, it, and I mean, I was just going through the song to try to see if Jessica remembers it. It was a rock, it was a modern rock radio staple from like 97 to 99. It was like constantly, constantly on the rock radio uh they, 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 i think they're a one hit wonder well i'm looking at this is this sp- the bittersweet symphony band or no, no that's there were two bands with the word verve in their name okay like mysteriously <laughs> the other one was just the verve and they I did see. bittersweet symphony gotcha this was the verve pipe 
And they have millions of listens on all of their other songs. So I guess they're pretty big. But I think in terms of radio play, they're, they're probably technically a one-hit wonder. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like when people say Smash Mouth is a one-hit wonder, but really they were like a three-hit wonder. Um, so all I'm saying is... They were a three-hit wonder in that two of those songs were covers. <laughs> no, one of them was hits. Walking on the Sun. There was Walking on the Sun. Now we got to have a Smash Mouth t- <laughs> debate. <laughs> We're not even through the well, verb one type was, talk yet. was a monkey songs cover, song right. cover, and that was. Oh, yeah. Cover. So many of. Oh, yeah. They, first of all, they were like a five hit wonder and three of them were covers. <laughs> there you I go. was thinking of Walking on the Sun because being someone who remembers Verve Pipe on the radio, being an exennial, I remember Walking on the Sun being a huge song long before All Star was a glimmer in their eye (laughs) and then all-star comes out but i think even before all-star came out there was also there was the cover of uh why can't we be friends or yeah is it why can't we be friends and that was on the radio a bunch and can't get enough of you baby that's a cover that was on the radio a whole lot and i'm a believer was also on the radio a whole lot so they're a five-hit wonder i mean that ska cover of well shrek keeps them relevant you know exactly (laughs) That ska cover that they did of Why Can't We Be Friends, maybe that's not as big as I think it was, but I remember hearing it on the radio a bunch. Yeah, I remember that, too. Anyway. I think they threw that in a soundtrack. Remember when, when Smash Mouth was like a plot point in, in uh, <laughs> Rat Race? Yes. Remember, I watch that movie every month. I used to love Rat Race as oh, a man, kid. I had a, I had a used blockbuster VHS copy of Rat Race. I loved it that much. You know what's kind of amazing? And I just connected this. Probably the two biggest movie used bands of the late 90s were Bahamut and Smash Mouth. <laughs> and they're both used in Rat Race. Uh, Smash Mouth actually appears as themselves. Bahamut does not. But Who Let the Dogs Out? is in the moment where they're they're all not believing that they could win the million dollars or whatever. And they're like, huh, this is crazy, huh? Yeah, and they're all staring at each other. And then, like, comedic cut to them all running and pushing each other over played to Who Let the Dogs Out. They're also both very, like, ingrained in Radio Disney bands, so I definitely heard a lot of those two bands during, like, the early 2000s when I listened to Radio Disney. Right. So all I'm saying is, and I... The thing is, the EP, and so not the EP, but the demo, All Work and No Play, is 98. Verve Pipe, I think, I'm pretty sure, is 97. And so I don't know if it's... It's like current. Yeah, if it's it's current, it's current. So I think this was a pretty influential rock song for that time. This was kind of showing ways rock could start to go. Like I said, Verve Pipe is not an emo band by any stretch of the imagination. But like Everlong, it was like these rock bands that had these things that emo could also do and that kind of maybe helped guide push emo bands towards radio success later on but you know just comparing it one more time this is the opening of freshman and then this is the opening of i am lion o on the demo it's not exactly the same but it reminds me it feels like a similar chord progression never took advice And now I'm guilt-stricken, sobbing with my head on the floor. Fell through the rice. I don't know what those lyrics are. (laughs) And so this is, let's just hear the rest of this intro part. I skipped ahead 30 seconds. Man, it's a long intro on the demo. (laughs) 
they really tightened it up. Even though you like this version better, they really tightened it up for the anatomy version. Yeah. Wow, we're almost a minute in for this joke. Yeah. It's just so much more rocking. It's, it's, it's so it's much better. I love the sloppy guitars. Like, it's so good. It reminds me of, uh, what's that? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't have an encyclopedic brain in that way where I can just call up the names of things right away. It's just something, it's a limit I have. So I'm typing in all work and no play. Uh, B-Rad. It reminds me of the sounds of B-Rad, which yeah, for sure. was like their most skate punky song we had like ever heard, even among all of their first three Gears albums. You might want to silence your phone since we just heard it. Heard you heard it the lock click. As you right, and if someone screen. sends me a text, it's gonna be like <laughs> ding. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's cool. It's really good. I really like the uh, this version of the cover. And sorry, this is I really like this version of the song. I'm kind of shocked to hear you say that you like this one better. I didn't think of it that way, but that's funny. And they would continuously do the Meow Mix thing live all the time, even though All Work and No Play wasn't available openly, you know, during once Dave joined the band. They would still play this song all throughout, like, the Electric Youth Tour and cool. and the Back to the Future times. And I think they played it, you know, right up until pretty much mm-hmm, when they started to mature more. Um, but they would do the Meow Mix stuff a bunch. They wouldn't do it every time, but I do remember hearing them play this song a bunch in those first couple of years going to a lot of Reliant K shows. Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm not... I, this was never, like, a favorite or, like, a go-to for me because I didn't have that, like, nostalgic connection. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when I just heard the, like, what to me was the fresher sound of the demo, that's why I was like, oh, I like this. This is more rocking. I'm more into this. Like, this would fall into that category of generally, but not always a skip song on Anatomy for me. Gotcha. And the intro, Lion Wilson was definitely a skip such a shame it's such a cute little like, funny thing I know, it's got they that love nice the beach boys thing yeah it's got this nice beach boysy like and it's a classic pun teeson pun name to the song lion wilson it's just a little too acapella-y for but me but it's not we talked about this off mic it's not acapella because there's instrumentation it's acapella-y it's not my jam much like that's my jam which is also <laughs> not, not jam. my jam um man the music app built into the iphone is slow and we've got brand yeah, new phones is. it's like you click an album <laughs> and it's like thinking thinking i'm like this is the music on the phone it just doesn't like you because you're not paying for apple music it's because you're a spotify yeah it's like it's like okay looking on google you know looking on uh, apple music it's like what you don't have apple music well then i'll think about it i'll think about finding the music that's on your own phone so here's lion wilson So I guess it is sort there of acapella. There's sleigh bells. There's sleigh bells. Is there anything else going in this? Going on in this then? No. It's just the sleigh bells, I think. And I wonder if this is... um. 
It just sounds like depressing Christmas music. I don't know. Like, you're the one. I love Christmas music. You're the one who finds Christmas music depressing. But something about this, the acapella and the, and the sleigh bells, I don't My, know. I find Christmas music depressing because of the themes. <laughs> Not, you know, the, the wistful wintry themes when they're not simply when it's like you know standing by the fire and my toes are freezing and i'm gonna die soon but jesus loves me it's like i don't like that christmas music but this is like a lead it's a beach boys pashish leading into a song about the thundercats you do know that there are more christmas songs than just christmas shoes out there right what i thought that's what invented the genre Dan, no, there's others. We've covered a few on this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought those were about Arbor Day or something. Anyway, um, I had a really important point to mention. (laughs) (laughs) Lion Wilson, um, Lion O. Lion Wilson, Brian Wilson. I get it. It's cute. Yeah, it's like a pun. Oh, I remember now. Um... (laughs) I feel like the uh, uh, Lion Wilson interlude lead-in intro thing that they did on this album. Sorry, I took a large gulp, and I apologize. I was doing that a lot last week. <laughs> Danny reprimanded me for it. I apologize. Jessica was, well, we haven't talked about it yet, but Jessica had... Do you want to talk about this? Sure, yeah, that's fine. Okay, Jessica had ear surgery, like actually internal inside her ear corrective ear surgery i won't go into the details but basically they needed to go in there and correct stuff because stuff had been like messed up and all these things uh, no details but (laughs) they actually cut her ear open from the back and went in and corrected like everything in there yeah, um, I have, like, I look pretty Frankenstein-y now because, like, I have this, like, all these stitches, this big, like, jagged stitched, like, thing going from the top of my ear all the way down to the bottom, like, where my earlobe is is where it, it stops so, against the skull. So I think because of the surgery, it kind of affects her, her like, swallowing. And so she was just constantly, there were, like, 20 of them. And I was like, oh, I was cutting them all out. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I realized that we took a break. We took out that week off, like right. like the week before it was going to happen. And I was like, man, we really should have saved that week <laughs> off for the week of the surgery. Like, damn you, dust mites. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, um, the Lion Wilson track, I think, is a redemption for Reliant K in the fact that they had had the uh, Ed Sullivan track leading into Nancy Drew that they cut. Because, by the way, we get so many DMs of, like, first-hand info now, and we haven't shared all of them. We knew something before the, you know, big announcement about March. We kind of were... I, I don't... But... It's like everyone tells this stuff and some people are like, yeah, you can talk about this, but don't say it was me. And other people are like, please don't talk about it. And so we don't talk about it. So it's like, well, everyone's coming to us with all the, you know what? We're very good relying case secret keepers. That's what I think everyone needs to yeah. know. But for, but this one was. I don't even know what you're about to say. Yeah, I'm like I, sitting here on the edge of my seat. I didn't mention this one, but <laughs> someone who just started listening to the podcast. And th- this one isn't like personally tied to Reliant K, but. Someone who just started listening to the podcast, heard our Nancy Drew episode, sent us a message to say they had talked to Thiessen firsthand because they brought 
their like promo copy of the self-titled to be signed like their super rare promo copy and asked like what happened with the Ed Sullivan track that led in Nancy Drew and he said cease and desist letter like they just they didn't get uh, unlike MGK who goes and rips off you know deliberately interpolates be my escape and then goes off and gets the permission right away and gets it and gives Tyson a credit and I assume probably money involved they did the Ed Sullivan thing and then I guess they went off now now I'm extrapolating from the information we got but then they did the Ed Sullivan thing and they went off and didn't get the permission or got a cease and desist or maybe it somehow hit the the, the to the publishers of the Ed Sullivan song of uh those musicians things get around some yeah. things just get around yeah. so they weren't so that's why they cut it out so i feel wow. like the lion wilson thing this feels very in step with that like the fact that the ed sullivan track was kind of acapella ish because it was based on a musical bye bye birdie so i and this is an original composition done in a you know vocal styling and everything so i feel like they were trying to redo that idea that they legally couldn't do on the previous right. album Interesting. And I think the listener who gave us this information did say not to mention their name, maybe because they have such rare Reliant K stuff, but maybe they didn't say that. If we could have mentioned their name, I'll mention it next week. Are there any more cat songs that we're doing next week? (laughs) (laughs) We already did It's Always Winter But Never Christmas and Like a Lion, right? (laughs) Yes, I think we did. I think we did. So I do love this song because I feel like it is very much a part of a trope in pop punk music or in sort of like nerdier pop rock and sort of music that's meant to appeal to like middle schoolers and high schoolers to do like pop culture references songs specifically. Yeah, for sure. I can't think of a lot of good examples right now. Like maybe I can think of like A New Hope by Blink-182 which isn't really a Star Wars song in much as it's like a, another like lovelorn song and he's just using Princess Leia as kind of a metaphor for a girl that he likes um, with a few other Star Wars references. But like that is very much like a 90s pop punk thing to like figure out something that's kind of cool but like not super cool, like not super well known. Like if you can find the thing that's like a cool reference to nostalgia but not overplayed... Right. Then that's like the perfect mix. Almost like picking covers. Like you don't want to do the most obvious cover unless the joke is it's the most obvious cover. You you got to kind of find that ironic literal balance of finding like cool covers to do. Yeah, but thanks to current internet culture, nothing is sacred anymore. No. <laughs> There's there you, your special thing isn't that special. <laughs> There's probably nothing that could have a song written about it that wouldn't massively get attention from that fan base yeah, and be like, you yeah. got, you I got mean, the reference still, to... <laughs> your special thing is still special. It's just the thing that you thought was special to you is actually special to way more people than you thought. Right. And going back to the demo, because I was about to say, like, if you uh, release this song today and, like, fans of Thundercats would appear online and be like, this song got this reference wrong. <laughs> there is a lyrical difference in the two mm-hmm. tracks where when Tyson mentions Chitara, Chitara, <laughs> Chitara, the, yeah. he was like, the uh, my favorite feline is the one that wore leopard skins, is what he says in All Work and No Play, but it's the one who wore cheetah, cheetah skins. skins 
on the Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek album, which I'm I'm wondering what the deal is there because her name is Chitara and she her superpower is that she runs fast on in Thundercats. So you'd think, yeah, she's wearing cheetah skins, but I'm like, is she like legally wearing leopard skins? Like, <laughs> because I doubt that the designers of Thundercats cared that much to be like they're they're alien they're aliens we didn't talk about thundercats that much yet but they're essentially and we'll now talk about it more later to, we're now we're gonna have to compare uh, <sighs> the difference between a cheetah and a lion and which one chitara has but also how furry of teeson <laughs> exactly the, the the thundercat he likes the most is chitara it's the one female one no, absolutely, Chitara was an awakening for many boys and girls into their furrydom. Like, I guarantee it. Um, it's funny, because it's like, because both the the original Chitara from the 80s and the 2011 one, they both show a lot of fur, <laughs> not skin, but they both have very tight, like, provocative outfits for their perspective Furry cleavage. shows. Yeah, exactly. And, uh... I just I'm wondering the show which we haven't fully talked about yet. We'll go into detail later, but the show for anyone who doesn't hasn't ever followed up on it. Thundercats are these basically this race of cat aliens. Really, they're aliens because they fly through space and the first episode of the original show opens where they've already escaped their planet and it explodes. There's a lot of Star Wars ripping off in the original Thundercats, but but they're cat aliens. And they have to go find a new planet to colonize, and on their way, the the would be king is Lion-O, and he's a kid, and he's he's just a little kid, and he's like, "You'll be king of the new planet someday, of our new planet," but then they go into hypersleep, and there's a hypersleep accident, and he immediately grows up into an adult, but he's still a kid. So the show becomes him trying to like be an adult, where suddenly he's physically an adult, and he has to be the king of the new Lion-O, of the new li- of the new. Uh, Thundercats. Thundercats. Chitarians, I think they're called. I think their race are called Chitarians. Still better character design than Cats 2019. (laughs) Exactly. Even if Lionel looks like Trump. (laughs) I feel like I'd seen that as like a meme here and there. Oh, I'm sure, probably. Not all the time, though, because... Because if you haven't seen Thundercats... Lion-O, the main character, who's, my golly, he's so insufferable. Anyways, he has these, one, he's insufferable, That's his character arc. I know. He has an orange face with this, like, white eye cutout thing. Right. So I was a big Thundercats fan as a kid. This was probably my first big cartoon, so it meant a lot to me that Relian K did a song about Thundercats. I'm like, oh, this is really cool, but it also wasn't like, my strongest nostalgia, like, that really became Ninja Turtles. Like, I would compare being into Thundercats with, like, in a similar way, when I was a kid, I was into Atari for a hot second, and then the Nintendo came out, and I never looked back at the Atari, and I don't have any nostalgia for the Atari, although I did play it for a year or two when I was a kid. Nintendo has all my nostalgia. Same way, Thundercats, I certainly have some nostalgia, but Ninja Turtles. I actually remember multiple episodes of Ninja Turtles. I really only remember the first few episodes of Thundercats because we had the the cassette tape that collected the first four or five episodes. So I definitely have a stronger connection to those first few episodes. And I have a little Danny story 
not a Danny story in the sense of a story that has no ending. This actually has an ending, but a little Danny story, like a story about little Danny being a goober. I'll allow it. So my cousin had a birthday party and this has to be like, who knows, like 88 or something. We're still very young. And we get the, the, the pilot cassette of Thundercats for him as his gift from me, from us. Because I love Thundercats. And it's like, oh, we should get, for my cousin, we should get the Thundercats tape. I think I actually suggested it to my mom. And she's like, okay, good idea. We get the Thundercats cassette, the same one that I had and watched all the time. And I knew it was there on the gift table, wrapped up. And I just wanted to watch it so bad. I was at the party. I was at this birthday party, not enjoying the birthday party. Because I'm like, there's a there's a movie cassette right right there and it's thundercats and we could be watching it so i go to my aunt's and i say uh you know i actually don't remember this aunt's name because it's a side of the fa- it's a part of the family we don't talk to that much anymore but i go to my aunt and i say um if we have uh if 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 my cousin gets a, a movie as a gift can we watch it and she's like, oh, oh, sure, okay. She doesn't put any context or understanding of what I'm saying. I'm being sly. Like, if he's got a movie for a gift, can we watch it? And she's like, oh, sure. And then when she opens the gift from me, she bursts out. When they, when we all come together, because it's one of those everyone comes together and right. watches the kid open the gifts. When my gift was unwrapped and it was a Thundercats cassette, she burst out laughing. Cause, and everyone was like, what? <laughs> Because she's like, oh, he just wants to watch the tape that he gave her, gave him. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Thundercats nostalgia for me, pretty strong for those first few episodes. But also, like, Ninja Turtles, while that's definitely a toy show, you know, definitely just made to sell toys. All shows are. But, like, in the 80s, like, Thundercats is more of what I would call a battle set TV show. Where they're really just enacting stories that... Can sell toys. That can sell toys. Well, yeah, but there's like a distinction I'm trying to, I'm trying to like voice here. Lots of cartoons sell toys. Most cartoons sell toys, but they still, the writers, especially in later the 90s and on, the television writers actually write stories and they'll work those like toy items into the stories, but... Thundercats, the majority of those shows are like battle set stories. They're the kind of limited stories that a kid would come up with with their battle set. You know what I mean? Like, story wasn't super strong in most episodes of Thundercats. It's like, we're gonna storm this place with the battle cruiser or whatever. And it's like, that's what a kid does with their toys. Right. So I remember having that distinct thought when I was... Because I actually, as a kid, I wanted like complex... There were more complex... I wanted stories I couldn't think of. But I remember when I was a kid, I would watch Thundercats and sometimes feel like I could have come up with a story with my toys. <laughs> yeah, they're also very toy-like in their design. They're, like, the character design. They're, like... Yeah. They're, like, very smooth, like, genitalist hips that connect to their legs. Yeah, in the pilot, in the first episode, they're all naked because they're cat aliens and they've come from a paradise planet that they've lost and they never had to wear clothes. 
and they're and they're all they're also Except cats. the Obi Wan cat, right? Because he's part of he's the last member of the government, and they used to wear he. I guess they wore like special robes or whatever. But all these five, and everyone's taking it super well that everyone they know just <laughs> they blew really up. Are. They're taking it super well. It's almost like the end of Last Jedi, where like literally the entire resistance has just been slaughtered, and everyone's hugging each other at the end of Last Jedi, like oh, glad we made it, and like fuck everybody else is dead. <laughs> Um, but is similar. Yeah, they open the television show with them all naked, and then they get their clothes pretty quickly after because Jaga, the Obi Wan Kenobi of the series, literally because he dies in the first episode and is a ghost for the rest of the series, he says like, "You're all going to need clothes now because you're going to more difficult planets than you've ever lived on." And he gives everyone clothes and weapons like magically. Um, but when you see them all naked, they're cats. It's not a big deal. They're just covered in fur. They don't have genitals. And they have those those kind of, like, articulated seams in yeah. their legs like yeah. toys. <laughs> like, no being has those. Right. <laughs> also, what's up with their ears? Are they alien elf cats? Like, and why don't they have tails? Only the cat cat has a tail. Yeah, I don't Snoop know. Snoop or Snarf they're, or whatever you said his name But they're was. cat-based aliens, just like, just like we're, like, uh, what are we, like, humans are, like, simian-based or whatever, however, I don't, you know, I didn't study evolution for some reason as a kid <laughs> in the schools I went to, but they're cat-based evolutional aliens. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... As mentioned last week, because Kate called me out on it again, I'm not a big animation fan, but I did love the animation in this, at least in the first episode. Because a lot more money went into that first episode. It's just so 80s anime. I just (laughs) love the aesthetic of it. Although, full disclosure, I did lose interest once they left the spaceship. Yeah. Like once they left the spaceship, I was kind of like, "All right, we're on like they're on battle the, world, the moon now. of Endor." Yeah, like, <laughs> they're on the battle world, and they're just gonna have battle. There times are from robot now on. Ewoks. Like yeah. <laughs> it's Star Wars with cat <laughs> it's people. Literally robot Ewoks. Like I'm like, "All right, I get it. We're on a forest planet now. It's it's a lot less interesting. I loved the character. I, I love the character design. It's fantastic, bizarre, but fantastic. But yeah, I did like. I enjoyed the space stuff. Right. A lot more than once they got to the planet, I was I was a lot less interested. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention is that the villains are the mutants, right? And they're like these wolves and lizards and hyena anthropomorphic monster people. But they're called mutants. But I'm like, but they're no more mutated than the Thundercats. Like, this isn't really fair. Like, right. they're, they're just more anthropomorphic animal people that are also in space and are pirates and want to steal, like, the the whole... Re- they're supposed to be going in the pilot episode to a specific new planet, but they don't make it because they get boarded by the mutant pirates. But I'm like, but they're called mutants, but they're just n- more animal people. And then because of their attack, they're like, well, now we can only make it to this closer planet but that was, has a mummy on it. Yes, I was confused by that because I'm like, wait a minute. So they've all been in hypersleep for like however long. And Lionel's the only one who aged up because his pod had like an issue or whatever. Right. But I was like, wait, so the bad guys also decided to jump into hyperspace and then go to sleep. Yeah, and that- then they woke <laughs> up 
just in time to attack them at this specific planet. The hyperspace theme of the first episode is very inconsistent uh, because they need to get to this one. They can't make it to the planet they plan to. So they're going to go to Mumra's planet. They don't know Mumra's there. And Jaga, the Obi-Wan Kenobi cat, he's like, our navigation systems have been affected and someone needs to be awake and not in hypersleep and they need to be able to pilot the ship to the planet. We can't depend on the robotic computer piloting. You would think it was five minutes later, the way the show is edited, that he just dies. But I guess the implication is it's been years, like Interstellar or something. But the way they cut the scene, everyone goes in the hyperpods, and then five minutes later, he's old. He's like the old man is a the little old bit man older, dies. <laughs> yeah. and he dies. But they don't cut it that way, and yeah, and then they get to the planet, and you're right. The 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 mutant pirates that were chasing them are right behind them. I'm like, hasn't it been ten years of hypersleep? <laughs> like, how did you guys get here too? Not well thought out in terms of that. Yes. That also really scared me and confused me as a kid. Aww. What was going on with Jaga? Like, I didn't understand the concepts of hypersleep and how it right. would take, like, ten years for them to get to the planet. And also, I guess it didn't help with the fact that looking at it as an adult now, they didn't, you know, they explain it well in dialogue, but they, they, don't, they don't communicate it in the editing that it's been ten years of, of traveling there. Right. So, but I would get confused about why is he not getting in the pod and then why does he die immediately? <laughs> So Mumra is the is the villain. Is that like a play on Sun Ra? Because I get it, Mumra. Oh. Like Ra is the Egyptian god of the sun, and Mumra is a mummy. But Sun Ra is also a badass jazz man known for his experimental <laughs> cosmic kind of music. Yeah, so gonna... I'm like, oh, is that like a play on that? Yeah, I like that. I maybe, but Sun Ra is it also an Egyptian god? Like, Ra that's is where... the Egyptian god of the right. sun. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love it if Mumra actually did more like acid jazz throughout the show be great <laughs> I, mean, I might actually keep watching it if he did <laughs> Mumra did not really scare me as a kid I was just making stupid stuff up to fill time on the episode um, another but, thing that was a yeah. little a little bugaboo for me was that it was like Lionel is still supposed to be like mentally 12 or whatever and he's in, but he grows up and immediately is like I'm the leader now. And like, he's like, no inferior pet space cat. I am too big for toys now because the little space cat tries to give him like toys a couple times. And he's just like, no, I'm too old for that. And this. then later he tries to give him the sword that he needs to have. And he's like, another toy. It's like, this is the sword, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're a kid, when you're a little boy that I did understand that scene when I was a little boy, because when you're a little boy, inevitably there is a point where you're like, I'm an adult now, but you're you're still a kid. You're still a silly little kid. Right. But you're like, I'm an adult now. And I'm going to... And so that was basically like, I couldn't imagine being that kind of kid and actually literally being in a adult's body suddenly. Right. It is funny, though, that he... For it's that, like Big or Shazam. Yeah. For that short time that we knew Lionel as an actual kid on the original series... Uh, minutes worth of screen time. He's a much more kind and reasonable child. And then as soon yeah. as he has an adult's body, he's like, guess what, f***ers? Yeah. <laughs> Bow to so, your king. He's so belligerent suddenly. 
And I'm like, I get where they're coming from with trying to do the like, the like child king who's like now in the adult body or whatever. Because also kids can identify with that. They'd be like, yeah. oh, I want to grow up and be Lionel someday. I get that. It didn't, it didn't vibe with me. Because, you know, I don't know. Do you, it, I don't feel like having a very naive main character really plays off well, usually. It kind of comes off as kind of like obnoxious sometimes because the the visual difference of having like an adult like a visual adult versus like what you visually think of as a child kind of has like a disconnect but i i I get it like i said big works shazam works you buy it every time in this situation it definitely uh did not work it also does not work when you're as annoyingly naive as anastasia Steele. just oh (laughs) okay that's Fifty Shades of Grey. I reference. know what it is. <laughs> but do you know where that does work? Where? where in, and she's not a child in an adult's body, but where having an overly naive character really pays off and comes off as, like, wholesome? Barbarella. Ah. Because Barbarella, for it being a very sexual movie, like, she is this very, like, innocent pure-minded, naive individual. Mm -hmm. And yet it never gets, like, really annoying. Right. But that's also because that's the society she comes from on her spaceship. It's true. Um, I just feel like Thundercat should have gone a little bit more Barbarella (laughs) with Lion-O is all I'm I'm sure a lot of fans (laughs) think that that should go that way. Maybe don't open it with him floating around, like, naked in space though that might not <laughs> might not go over so well oh technically they did he was naked yeah so i also have a memory of talking to matt Thiessen about this song in real life uh, at some point from like 2001 to 2003 when i was talking to matt Thiessen after a show it just occurred to me that we said we're having our friend matt on this week and we just talked about <laughs> we just talked about matt and we didn't say like sorry we're having a matt on that isn't hoops or Thiessen. Yeah, I should just put in the podcast <laughs> title. Special guest, Matt. Matt. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, which one? Let's choose. We in. said our friend Matt, who's Heavy Ordnance Studio. I don't think anyone's I know, confused. Danny, I know. So um, one time I talked to Matt Thiessen after a show in the early, early 2000s. And I talked about I Am Lion-O. And there was, before memes were called memes... There was this thing that leaked online where it was blooper outtakes from the voice sessions of this show. Oh, that's Them, cool. like, cursing and stuff. Ah. And, like, other things like that. Um, I said to Matt Thiessen, I'm like, it would have been funny if you... Now, I knew they're a Christian band. I understood that. But there are a couple of them that aren't dirty. I'd have been like, it would have been funny if you used one of those, like, drops in the album and it was like oh yeah that would have been cool whatever <laughs> i think he even said like i think he even said like oh i don't know if we could have used those i'm like well not the dirty ones <laughs> so here's those uh and i won't edit these in afterwards so we can talk over them here is the like i said these leaked in the early 2000s you could download these like on napster and stuff and probably get these off e-bombs world and and all those early meme ways you would get memes before they were called memes so here are some of the vocal outtakes from Thundercats. I guess we'll bleep these when they get dirty. You, you better snap out of it, Lionel! Jeez! Oh my gosh! <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. Oh my gosh. So I'm the one wearing the headphones now because of Jessica's ear surgery. Yeah. 
I did not. <laughs> I did not expect it. I had it turned up all the way because the music had to be the voicemails had to be up all the way earlier. Oh my gosh! That they're dropping their pens on the thing. Ha! Huh, how does it feel, Danny? How does it feel? Feels, <laughs> you know. feels bad. <laughs> yeah. Feels real bad. Now you know. <laughs> So here are the Thundercats outtakes from that leaked online in the early 2000s. Step out of it, Lion-O! Call the Thundercats before... Shut up, you fuck. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens did... This YouTuber edited it down, though, because you get that F word. I'm, I don't even have to bleep it now. I don't even know. Is this real? Yes. This totally feels like they could have just put it in, especially because they bleeped it. Like, no, it it's feels... 100% real. He, this YouTuber edited it over real footage, but I'm saying these MP3s gotcha. were okay. real MP3s, just like Casey Kasem yelling about uh, gosh, <laughs> GD dead dog dedication <laughs> right. after an upbeat number. Right. These are like leaked outtakes that, ha- that happened for real. Obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> f- am I talking about? <laughs> it's when Wiley Cat and Kid are pretending to be the most helpful that they're dropping their pens on the thing while I'm talking. Let's find the mega condenser. I'm saying that too fast. Let's find the mega condenser. Still going too fast. What's wrong, Lion-O? <laughs> oh, fuck, here it is again. What's, what's here again? That thing, that, that mega thing. Want me to say it? Yes. I'm going to put this one right between her pretty. <laughs> That's the line of the show right here. And keep your foot off that blasted Samo flange. What the fuck is a Samo flange? Samo. I have to do that again. Oh, Lionel, we're not. <coughs> What's the matter, Snarf? You got a cold. Thunder, 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 thundercats. I'm going too high. <laughs> that was my favorite. Thunder, thunder, thunder! I'm going too high. That's the one that would be funny in a in a like dropping a clip in a song, just like you know, like Newfound Glory loved to do, like dropping movie clips into the middle sure. of your song. Um, so sorry, I got up to get a snack and, and April's April came like, running. Yeah. This go. is very unprofessional of both of you. Why are they called Thundercats? Do cats like thunder? I don't know. I don't have a cat. I have a dog. April doesn't like thunder. <laughs> That's a good point. So even though I just got a snack, are we ready to go take our break before yeah, we come back? Yeah, why don't back? you chew off mic and we'll go to our break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll do a quick comparison of some of the differences between the gold and the 2001 version. And then we'll do Jessica's deep dive. We'll be right back. We want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out sadiehawkinspod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Tee Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our little sheet boy ice cream shirt, and our all new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. 
And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash shadyhawkinspod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include J.R., Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive regard. Aww. Hey, Jeff, have you ever heard of Reliant K? No, Tracy, I haven't, but you know what that reminds me of? If I had a million dollars... What? Oh, no, no, don't do I it. would buy you a cake car. A nice, reliant automobile. Yes. How did I know you were going to go there? Well, it could have something to do with the fact that it is the most famous song by the band we discuss every week. Oh, you mean Bare Naked Ladies? Dude, Reliant K is a Christian rock band. You can't say that. Sure I can. I don't think you can. Okay, fine. BNL. We have a great time discussing all the BNL songs alphabetically over at Bare Naked ABCs. Dude! We're not naked when we do it, and it's a podcast. Anyway, I've heard these guys and their music. These guys can take a joke. Ooh, I have one for you. Don't. Have you heard the one about the boy who moved into the hen house to sleep? We've already done this song. He woke up with yolk in his face when he found that all the hens had crossed the street. (laughs) Oh, for bad jokes like that and more, come listen to us on all platforms you download podcasts. Just look for Bare Naked ABCs. Dude! It's a brand name. So there's only a few differences between the gold version and the original 2001 version that I can tell. And a reminder that... When you listen on Spotify or any streaming thing, you're always hearing the gold versions. So, like happens with a lot of the changes between the gold versions of albums two and three, the opening lick is just, like, changed to a different stereo side. Like, in one of them, it's on the left heavy, oh, gotcha. and one of them, it's on right heavy. And I don't know if they why they do that. Like, what's the decision there? Or is it just so you know... Is it just a better way to test it? Jessica's giving April, stop April eating warm bread. Mic. <laughs> so I don't know like what the choice is there. Um, but then one thing, the biggest difference, and Lion Wilson, it's there might be a difference there, but it's not like huge that I can tell. The biggest difference is the bridge between the two versions. Um, that sort of slowed down pretty part this part is really different because every gold remix of albums two and three generally speaking all the instruments are kind of leveled the same and sometimes the vocals are kind of brought up uh everything is kind of smoothed out sound wise on this where everything isn't just mixed to one level you can hear hoops is using those reversing pedals like listen oh, cool. to this and you can hear like the, the the music is playing there's these guitar notes that are looping backwards softer softer to me <laughs> that is true <laughs> it's written from the same time but did you hear those notes that are going backwards you can especially did, hear yeah. them because you can hear them cutting off mm-hmm 
Well, those are technically still in the gold mix, but they're so buried because everything is just... Like, they're still there, but the stark cutoff at the end is, like, smoothed over. I'm like, no, the cool part of the original mix was that those looped backwards notes, you can hear them, and you're hearing the cutoff. They're still there, but they're a little bit more buried, and they're smoothed out when they end. The original mix, you can tell way easier that they're looped, the notes are looped backwards. But on this mix, if you're not paying super attention, you might not be able to tell. And I just don't think that's cool because it's like, it was cool in the original mix. Yeah. Something that I forgot to mention earlier was that I, because this was like a skip song usually for me, I only really knew the chorus. Thundercats, oh. Right. I had no idea what he was singing other than that. And I definitely thought he was singing about Jesus. There are definitely parts where it's like, I it swear is, he just said Jesus. Like, it I is kind of worshipy. <laughs> it is. That bridge is very, they use that same tone of the bridge of, of Lion-O for their worship songs. Yeah. That is, that's, that's an observation right there. So that's everything I've got until we do covers and stuff. So what do you have for Deep Dive? Well, we don't have any genius annotations for this song. And over on Song Meanings, it's just a lot of reminiscing about the poster's love of Thundercats. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a TikTok page for this song, yet sadly, no actual TikToks. Oh. We do have a Thundercats.org forum, though. Okay. Dot org. Right. (laughs) Nonprofit organization dedicated to the enhancements (laughs) and... Of Thundercats. So this is Waiting for lion new member, and their avatar is a picture of, like, <laughs> April doesn't appreciate it. Are you it. still talking about cats after four weeks? <laughs> I cannot take this. It is a picture of, like, it's like a, an illustration of a lion with, like, a top hat, so it looks like the Babadook. Interesting. <laughs> And so it says, I'm not sure if anyone's posted this before, but the Christian rock band Reliant K on their second album had a song titled I Am Lion-O. The lyrics are, and then they post the lyrics. Uh, It says, the album I'm pretty sure is available at iTunes or to find out more about the band, click here. Ooh, let's click here. And it just takes us to ReliantK.com, current ReliantK.com. Right. Uh, And they posted that on February 24th, 2007. And then he fan... Uh, a legacy member of this forum said, Chris here, thanks for the heads up about that. Yep, just found it on iTunes. The preview clip sounds really cool, actually. I might even buy it. Smiley face. Take care, smiley face. Take care. Get out of here. Tigra Wan, Glasswalker, uh, whatever that means, says, yeah, that is actually a really good song. Reliant K is a pretty good band. I just don't have that song. I'm wanting to get it, though. Just go get it. Matt. Ooh, I wonder if this is one of the Matts who has a Batman avatar and is a Thunderinian legend says, I agree. I have their first three CDs, but don't really listen to them anymore because the third one made them start to suck. But that song is good. (laughs) By the way, Waiting for Lion-O, what is your avatar from? It looks familiar, but I can't place it. 
for some reason, I'm thinking art from Beck's Guerrero CD. Just a guess anyway. It's pretty cool, though. Uh, Waiting for Lion-O said, I'm, oh, I guess this post isn't titled Waiting for Lion-O. That's their username. Sorry. Okay. Uh, said, I agree that Relia K's first two albums were great, but then their third wasn't anything special, and I've had little interest since. Oh, and Matt, my avatar comes Spicy from take. a poster for the raconteurs. I thought that the cat motif was appropriate. So not a Babadook lion, uh. but a raconteurs thing. What is up with everybody, like, not being there for three lefts? Like, what? Also, what? I'm sorry. These are all the same people who, every time we read a review for two lefts, they're like, well, it's really just a departure from the earlier sound. Like, I'm sorry, what? Are we listening to the same band? Uh, and then finally, Cat's, Cat's Pat, also known as Leproda, said... Thank you for posting those lyrics. I had most of them down, but I couldn't figure out the next words after fighting evil because Reliant K's front man didn't enunciate very well. Thanks again, smiley face. Thanks for posting those lyrics. Ooh, day trip from Prague to the UNESCO towns of Trebek and Telk. I should probably know that since I'm half Czech. Is an ad. Watch gay movies. Another ad on... Deku, uh, The Origins of Mumra, Brush, Your Dream Toothbrush. Interesting. Are Tigra, Tigra, and, or Tigra or Tigra and Bengali mutual brothers? I don't know. I don't have those answers. Um, the brothers, the, so the two sort of orange-haired cats on the show, Lionel and Tigra, I guess? They're not brothers on the original show, but then they are brothers in the 2011 reboot, which we didn't really talk about a lot. We'll talk about it more with Matt, but it's basically like Avatar The Last Airbender Thundercats. <laughs> yeah, it was so d and I was like, oh man, this just like, I feel like I'm on a and d adventure, like that kind of art style. I I did kind of enjoy the, the, the art for that one. Then we have a personal blog over at randallwong.com. Weekend update. Thundercats. Oh, I'm Lion-O. This is from January 26, 2002. Well, it's been a little while since I updated. The CD project is coming along. Still doing most of the guitar work for the project and haven't gotten around to doing the vocals yet. Still aiming for the April 1st release date, hee hee. We got a drum set in our house now. Nate came down last weekend and dropped it off. All the guys in the house, well, Derek, Ricky, and I, have been playing with it and trying to learn. I went out and got some hot hot rod drumsticks for it because I like them a lot. Though they're getting abused a little. The drum set will help for the recording. Woo. I don't have to lug my computer to my church anymore. I got a new CD this week at Brennan. It's from this group called Reliant K. They're cool. Haha. <laughs> they're kind of punk music, but I actually like it. Try to find <laughs> them on the internet. I haven't I hate those dirty punks, but this is all right. <laughs> I haven't looked for their website yet, but if I do see it, I'll post it on here. They have one song, track 10 on the anatomy of the tongue in cheek, where they sing about Thundercats. Any group that sings about Thundercats or any of my other childhood cartoons is cool. Like Chris Rice's cartoon song, Woo! 
Still looking for a live journal key for Lisa. My buddy Nick was going to see if he gave his out already. I guess he did, though, since he hasn't gotten back to me. Oh, well. Stopped by Tim's house today, too. Hung out with him and talked for a little while. They're in the middle of writing songs for their new CD. And should start production for that either within the semest- this semester or come summertime. After Tim buys his guitar, probably. Ha. Well... When you said weekend update, that reminded me that there was from like a couple years ago, uh, SNL sketch where oh they boy. were like Thundercats and He-Man and, and this kid in his kitchen. And <laughs> I don't feel like watching. It again. <laughs> <laughs> well, then to close up the deep dive, we just have one more personal blog. Okay. This is over on Medium Lacey Laanna. Reliant K, that one time I got to see my favorite band. Lacey Lana, November 19th, 2013. It's a four-minute read. I love these blogs that tell you how long it's going to take to read through the articles. It's like a challenge. <laughs> I decided that 140 characters really wasn't enough to convey my night at, a, at the Reliant K concert. The result of this was the creation of my Medium account, Dear Matt and Hoops. I've listened to Reliant... <laughs> April agrees. I've listened to Reliant K for over a decade now. I still remember the first time I heard Sadie Hawkins dance. It was played on one of those Walkman CD players, the headphones given to me by my buddy Will in fourth grade. After that, I begged my mom to buy me Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek. I remember girls in my grade making dance routines to Hilary Duff and Britney Spears. I was doing my own interpretive routines to Breakdown and Lion O. Yes, I was and still We've am a giant dork. <laughs> We've probably seen them on YouTube. I have since then given up dancing, at least in front of people. Through my adolescent years, I continued to snag RK albums from two lefts all the way through five score. I can remember and laying in bed. You snag those albums. <laughs> during the tough times from breakups and dealing with issues that arose from my parents' divorce, listening to your music. I can't tell you the amount of times I cried to let it all out or vented to which to bury us or the hatchet. Well, give it you've, a try. You've You've always seemed to write the words that were on my heart. Just knowing I wasn't alone in some of my experiences was enough to get me through things that I might not have made it through otherwise. So if you guys are reading this, thanks for that. It wasn't until recently that I... April, you're making so many smacky sounds. I'm over here microdosing bread to April so she'll stop whining. Like I'm giving her teeny, teeny little bites. It wasn't until recently that I really understood and appreciated the truth in your lyrics. Two years ago now, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now when I listen to songs like Getting Into You or I So Hate Consequences, I really get it. My salvation has made me really understand the feelings that are behind the lyrics. Recently, I've broken down to more than useless. The process of sanctification through Christ is a messy one, a constant struggle between the spirit and the flesh. There's a fine line between humility and self-hatred, and I have a tendency to barrel roll over that line now in a new way it helps to know Do that a i'm barrel not roll. alone Sorry. this is lovely this is very lovely but it still made me think of star fox when they said barrel roll so that's what you think of when you hear barrel roll i think yeah. of a roller coaster like a barrel roll as you do a roller coaster or an airplane my uncle has like a little two-seater like a little biplane and he's taken me up a few times and I used to be like a massive roller coaster lover in like high school and then college. And so I remember this one time in college when we went to visit 
it was just like he and myself and like my cousin and, and I went out to the airfield. I think my aunt was there too. And he, when he took me up, he like did a barrel roll and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And my dad on the ground like almost had a heart attack. <laughs> my aunt was like, David, it's okay. <laughs> April, you're not entitled to this bread. I'm only giving it to you so you'll stop making noise. She says that we're having communion, dad. Come on. <laughs> So now that I've gotten through my excessive background that I'm sure no one has been interested in, I was interested, Poster. Yeah, it's very nice. I'll get to the good stuff. A while back, the Reliant K tweeted me about coming to Texas soon, which is really cool. And Matt T even informed me he would like Reese's Pieces at the concert. Also really cool. Now, one more important me fact. I am a closet introvert. I am an old woman in the body of a 20-year-old. Big crowds make me feel nauseous. For this band alone, I could overcome this and endure the sweaty, sardine-packed environment that is a general admission concert. That is so true. What a great way to put that. Like some of the shows that Danny has dragged me to, man. I snagged my tickets for the Saturday show in San Antonio as soon as I could. They posted... The picture of that. Oh, they're a play- Twin Productions presents Motion City Soundtrack with Reliant K. Mm. Nice. My husband, brother-in-law, and best friend endured leaving for... I thought for a second that her husband was her brother-in-law and her best friend and not three different people. What is this person's name? Lacey? Yes. I found their tweet. Nice! Reliant K, will you guys be hanging out after the A&M hashtag Kyle Field Show? I will bring Reese's Pieces, at mention Matt Hoops, at mention Matt Thiessen, and unfor- it's from 2015? So 2013. Well, the text is from 2015. Oh, what? But that, I have I, I mean, photographic proof here that says 2013. WTF, unless this is a future, unless this was one from late. Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is, okay. I see. There, she did it. So she did it. Oops, she did it again in 2015 in another show. She reminded I'll bring Reese's Pieces again. So she wrote to Motion City Soundtrack. Um, I'm bringing Reese's Pieces. I'm bringing Reliant. She said at Motion City Music, I'm bringing Reliant K some Reese's Pieces as requested by Matt Thiessen. Any requests for y'all? And Motion City tr- Soundtrack replied to Lacey and said, We are all good. Just bring your excitement for rock. And Lacey replied, That shall definitely be brought. Nice. I found this quite easily by just typing it's in Reliant K. Reese's. Been <laughs> yeah. This blog does go on for a little bit longer, and we got through the Thundercats part, so we'll, th- we'll link that somewhere so that if anybody wants to read the rest of that, they can. Okay. So... <laughs> Last week, uh, yeah, I'll start with fan stuff. So <laughs> last week, I'm like, wow, not a single Sahara AMV set to The Lion King. And then we get one for this song. <laughs> 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 this this makes no earthly well, sense. Well, maybe people just weren't making a lot of AMVs by the time we... Nope, that doesn't make any sense, does and it? Because Lion- I was like, maybe, you know, by the time Air for Free came out, people were just into AMVs. But no, they totally are. Also, Simba's story is kind of similar. He doesn't, he doesn't grow up by, like, you know, a malfunctioning hyper chamber. He just, like, spends his days out in the jungle and then comes back to the, to the fields or the whatever the Sahara later on 
I am shocked that you have not clicked the not interested button or do not recommend for the Bowling for Soup video recommended below this AMV. I've never seen it before this time. This is the first time it's come up. You know what? I'm trying to be more positive. I do not care for Bowling for Soup, but I'm trying to be more positive. That's just because you lost to a girl with much bigger breast is. That's an, such an awful lyric. <laughs> this video comes up a whole lot when I do Reliant K YouTube research. Uh, this is Leah B Studios, who we also recently talked about because because uh, of Vinyl Countdown. She came up again. She had done that Vinyl Countdown bedroom AM, uh, FMV. And then she also did the pressing on bedroom fmv where she was pressing an on button the whole time right this video comes up all the time and it's a seven and a half minute video where she basically just lip syncs portions of reliant k songs it comes up all the time but because it's like a bunch of reliant k songs i never bring it to the table to discuss but in this case well here you've got pleading the fifth as kind of the menu screen music i like that reliant k shirt so she's just kind of setting up to do this thing. And what she's very like comedic is Leah B. She's like very like brave, comedic, like wacky and performative. And does these very like funny, like bold, wild lip syncing videos. So it's two of her on a split screen, basically pretending to harmonize with herself Like, she's very... she she. You can tell she's... April, you're not getting any more bread. <laughs> We're talking about Leah B. You can tell she, she could definitely, like, be a comedic actress. Like, sure. she's got raw talent. Yeah. Not even that raw. It's actually very well put together in these YouTube videos. And a lot of... When I've looked at the rest of her channel, a lot of it is more, like, art discussions and talks about color and things like that. Cool. So I'm, fi- I'm glad we finally got to talk about that, uh video because it's constantly coming up here is it's sarah 14 and this is like a church performative oh my goodness gracious like not a dance exactly but a performative skit there's Lip boys sync. so there's four boys on the stage three are sitting down in chairs with one voice in a row with one boy standing behind them and he keeps touching them and they have their heads down and every time he touches them they put their heads up and like lip sync along yeah to the song. it's like some sort of improv game of like if you feel my hand on your shoulder then you start lip syncing and then if i don't touch you anymore you have to stop I feel like, and for some reason the audience is really into it. I feel like this is a like a lock in or a youth group talent show. Like this can't just be regular youth group night. I guess it could be, but it's so raucous for this little <laughs> performative skit. It is like a game. Like they both. I guess they all have to know the song really well. And then if you feel someone touch you, do they? Does this you have to camera listen. ever zoom out? Because honestly. This, I want to see this background in full. It's like a globe. It's one of those, it's a church with a very teak uh, trimmed sanctuary. Very like, you know, almost looks like a Norwegian furniture store (laughs) sanctuary type of church. But they've got like a big, um, here we go. Okay, it's a big picture on the wall. We, We don't get to see all of it, but it says saves the world. And it's a big picture of a globe. And it says the words save the world across it. Danny? Yeah. 
three guesses. Who do you think saves the world? <laughs> Lion-O? <laughs> Jesus? That was a really good guess. <laughs> good I was going to say Batman. Oh. Well, anyway, so there's that. That's by It's Sarah 14. They zoomed out a little bit, but they didn't zoom out a lot. They did their skit and didn't zoom out a lot. Asked me to watch that again, and I would say I'd rather not. So I enjoyed this. A guy on YouTube named P. Diddy Tube. P. Diddy Tube. <laughs> four years ago, just uploaded a six-minute video where he's just going over things he's oh things he bought at a garage sale. This is less, oh darn, this is actually less silly than I thought it was. I thought it was him literally, I thought it was him trying to sell his stuff on eBay. Oh. And I'm so disappointed. Oh, he's got a beautiful oh. collie. This is stuff he found at garage sales. I'm so disappointed. I thought someone, he was like, I'm going to upload to YouTube all these things you can buy from me. Well, he bought some Reliant K CDs. He doesn't actually talk about Lionel, I'm real disappointed in myself for that one. I have two different, I have three different videos of kids singing in sort of grandma's creepy living room. So this one's uploaded by Ilian and Sierra Show. E-L-A-I-N-A and S-I-A-R-A Show. And it's just one static shot probably a camera on a tripod and it's got that classic like this video was compressed by mg3 or whatever watermark but somehow they shrunk it down so it's just like a tiny dot on the horizon instead of being across the whole video but that kind of makes it worse there's a child's playpen in the background <laughs> they painted themselves up like cats they're wearing punk emo clothes but like a little over the top like i don't you know like real cut up and stitched together and stuff good stuff classic and they're holding yeah they're holding stuffed lion cat uh, lion toys at you i hope they're doing well and living their dreams now (laughs) here's the most frenetic fmv i found this is uploaded by giermo 5782 12 years ago maybe also the oldest video on youtube for this song guillermo guillermo sorry guillermo 5782 it's just called relying k lion o and it's these two kids out in a giant backyard somewhere, like, on the East Coast. And they're just running around holding Guitar Hero controllers. And the the third person who's holding the camera runs around themselves. They're running around. They're chasing the camera. They're kind of pretending to, like, shoot the camera. That, you know, that guitar move. Classic. All the FMVs that we didn't get for Sahara. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I love this. They spin around. The the two kids stand there in the middle of this, you know, big backyard. And the camera spins around them. This is actually a pretty uh, intense music video. (laughs) This is a New England. Look at that New England-y looking house. Yeah. There's two different situations where boys just sit there and lip sync Lion Wilson. This one is uploaded by Travis B. Langer. B.L. Langer. Sorry, B.E. Langer. This one, they're like older. They were like teenagers. And it's just one static shot of them sitting in the corner of Grandma's living room. 
And they're just lip syncing Lion Wilson. And that's all there is to it. But then, and I was like, are these the same boys years earlier? Uploaded to Rebecca D H D. Oh my gosh, Rebecca D A H L E N is this other one where it's two younger boys, like probably in their preteens, doing the same thing in Grandma's dining room a couple years earlier. And I'm like, many years earlier, 13 years ago. So I'm like, were those the same boys twice on two different YouTube channels, 13 years apart? <laughs> Could be. Um, 13 years apart <laughs> and Club Penguin there's an AMV there's a, there's a Club Penguin MV by Danny New D-A-N-N-I-N-O-O I'm always spelling these so people can go type them in if they need to later and it's just a Club Penguin MV <laughs> where they're just going do 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 you know the Club Penguin MV it's MVs. like moving around yeah there's also actual, like, stylistic editing, whereas normally a Club Penguin MV is just they typed the words in for their Club Penguin to quote-unquote say, and then they edit that together. But this one actually has, like, these preset um, transitions. So a ton of AMVs, like, not a not a bunch that we need to watch. I have two from the 2011 show. I have four from the, the 1985 show. And I think that's about all like the fan videos that were worth talking about. Yeah, so there's three covers. This first one is by, and this is so funny. So I posted one meme early for Thundercats to our social media. And this person popped in to our Instagram comments oh, wow. and linked their vocal cover. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I found it. Nice. So here it is. So this is, this is Hasna Budai Linawadi. And this is her vocal cover of Reliant K's I Am Lion-O. So thanks to Hasna for sending that to us, even yeah. though we also did find it. Good stuff. That's fun. Yeah. It just needs, like, more of her in the mix. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely turn up the vocals. I don't know, get closer to the mic. I'm not sure what was going on there. And, you know, I see lots of vocal covers, people just singing the song along to the song. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I skip them. And maybe I wouldn't have gotten to this one, but I really appreciate her reaching out. So yeah. I'm like, well, we got to play it now. So then we have three other covers on top two other covers excuse me two other covers on top of that and they're both live like talent show <laughs> talent show type situations this is the KU crew talent show I'm Lion-O by Reliant K um, this was uploaded nine years ago and Kettering University crew talent show winter 2012 there's no vocalist for this band but basically it's just like Sick. A really well-sounding 
rock band covering the yeah, song. Yeah, sounds pretty legit. Vocal, yeah. Oh my gosh, and a kid just did like a half-ass somersault in the and background. And they're in an auditorium. Not a concert auditorium, like a college auditorium. Yeah. With, you know, seats, with like wooden seats. And there's they're trying to start a mosh pit. The kids Sorry, don't have a cartwheel, to... not a somersault. It almost yeah. came out like a somersault, though. The college kids have to actually stand in the aisles because this place isn't meant for concerts. <laughs> it's meant for lectures. college kids. that guitar on Dina those arpeggios I believe they're called <laughs> I think Wait, they, just, they just transitioned into softer to me right no 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 this is oh this is still Thundercats no it's just the breakdown bridgey okay. part of Thundercats which I just think has it lives next door to softer to me without the vocals yeah, yeah. I totally <laughs> thought that we were transitioning into softer to me <laughs> and maybe they did play college kids some other time that night uh, but here's another one. This is less rambunctious, less rambunctious teens. This is the CB Bandfest 2008, uploaded by Adjustable Two Wee Winkle. Adjustable Two Wee Winkle is the name of the YouTube channel. Thirteen years ago, Connor Scott, M- Tim Schmidt, Matt Klima, and Eric Tringali performing "I Am Lionel" by Reliant K at Carn. Cardinal Gibbons Band Fest. Such a mouthful. Are you laughing at me? You're laughing at the dog. What? <laughs> that you're laughing at me trying to make my way through describing these, reading these YouTube descriptions. What's April because doing? I just gave April a piece, of, like a little piece of crust to a piece, right? She's like smacking so loudly. Oh. Well, here is CB Band Fest in 2008. I don't know if there's any. Here's Connor, Tim, Matt, and Eric performing. I am Lion-O at the CB Band Fest 08. Listen, April, I really appreciate that you want to be a more active part of the podcast. You are an engineer, <laughs> after all. We've we've asked you to be on mic before. That's great. I just maybe not during the cover section or the deep dive. I think she's actually... Kind of our times to shine. I think know? she thinks we're having dinner right now. Because <laughs> we... Does. We only use the kitchen table for dinner once in a while. We use it for podcasting all the time. But I think she's like, oh, it's dinner time right now. And I'm missing out. So not a great camera, but it's I, I can almost hear through this bad camera that they're really doing it very well. Yeah. Like I hope that sounds 
good enough for people to tell, but um, I think it sounded great. It's good stuff. And of course, I did this last week as well, or two weeks ago. I completely forgot I'm supposed to start with Reliant K clips, not with the fan stuff. Yes. So we're, I guess we're just doing it backwards from now on. We're just <laughs> every time you skip this, I just, I just assume that there was nothing. That, yeah, there's nothing. Well, they played this at Cornerstone 2003. Here is I Am Lion O. So I gotta ask you guys, actually beg you guys to sing along like a million times tonight, but uh, this is the first installment. You guys feel like singing along at all tonight to some stuff? So that makes us feel good. I do, man. This song's about the Thundercats. That's interesting. I don't. I don't remember that. I mean, they might have done that because I. I just don't remember that. I remember them doing the meow mix, meow mix, please deliver part back then more often. But again, this is a festival set, so it's a little tighter. They can't do that minute long meow mix right. thing. So there's like, yeah, we'll throw in a, a little sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> Woodstock 94. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds really good. That's like the best sounding live one I found because I also found in 2012 at Rocket Town in Nashville, they did, they surprised the crowd by playing it and opening with the Meow Mix thing. socials because any footage of john john and ethan in the band gets a lot of reactions and them playing i am lion 
how much? How many views does this have? I've got that extra it's guitar 3, in there to views, really so pe- to really pe- rich in the sound. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. So people know this exists, <laughs> but not nearly as many people as should know this exists. And yeah, that's the, then. There's some 2003 footage from Indiana that is pretty cool, but we pretty much saw it with Cornerstone. But the other thing is like this 2003 Indiana footage. If you go type in Indiana 2003, I am Lionel. It was like a dusty dusty like field and everyone the 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 comment the the descriptions on the youtube video are like this is the worst concert i've ever been to it's not relying <laughs> no. case fault we were all breathing in dust all night that's like it's not dead fast 2015 oh yeah and, oh so that's about it for relying case stuff now i have a whole plethora of if there's some other cat related pun to say instead of plethora of thundercats related like paraphernalia i found a, a soundcloud this has nothing to do with thundercats it just came up in the search um it, a whole soundcloud rap ep called the employee of the month ep <laughs> just found that and then um let just we'll play one of these tell me which of these sounds interesting to you a thundercats rave <laughs> A um, sort of screamo metal band called Lion I Am. A 85 Thundercats AMV set to POD. A fake theatrical Thundercats <laughs> live action movie trailer. Um, someone's... A Thundercat rave. Okay. I was also... Let me read them all just real okay. quick. This one is not that in- interesting, but it's a Hugh Jackman speed drawing. It's a It's a speed drawing... YouTube video of someone drawing Hugh Jackman as Lionel. It's literally what there's nothing else to it than what I described. There's all kinds of Lincoln Park AMVs. Thundercats fans love Lincoln Park. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, I listened to Danny doing his deep dive with his YouTube stuff, and oh my gosh, so much POD and Lincoln Park <laughs> that he was playing. And someone also, it's it seemed funny at first, but it quickly wore out. Someone took the entire live-action Cats musical movie trailer and just set it to the original theme song for Thundercats. It works for about 10 seconds, and then it immediately gets tiring. Yeah. So let's watch the Thundercats rave, and then we'll go talk to our friend from college named Matt, who is not a Hoops or a Tyson. He's heavy ordnance studio. Here's the Thundercat rave. Wow. <laughs> it is a big old rave where somebody's up on stage dressed like Lion-O, <laughs> like egging on the crowd and saying, come on, let's dance. And there's like a guy in his underwear behind him. And I can't tell if he's dressed like a Thundercat or not. Right. This lino looks a bit more Bowie than anything. Oh, now I see the little Thundercat belt with the symbol on there. Oh, and there's the lights are in the background. The, the logo is lighting up in the background. Oh, nice. I had reason to think this wasn't even America. Let me double check. Oh, it's TVs. There's like five TVs across the DJ booth. And it's they've Mexico. got the... Uh, the Thundercats logo flashing on them. And this is in Mexico because it's a Mexican... Uh, all of the description and titles in English, but the website to check out this club is .mx. So... Sick. We should take this footage and just set it to I am Lionel. Yes. Do it. 
So uh, that's I Am Lion. Oh, Jess, do you like this song? And I guess you can discuss, I pretty much already know your answer, but we'll pick it for both the all work, no version and the all work, no version and the anatomy, no version. <laughs> How do you feel better, same, less? Loving, love, love, loving the all work version. So good. Go check it out. There's, you can find it on YouTube. The anatomy version... I actually was thinking about this ahead of time because I'm like, do I like it the same or less? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just kind of the same. Okay. It's not less. I definitely right. don't like it more is what I mean. Like, no, like actually reading the lyrics out doesn't really change my feeling one way or the other. I think this is definitely like a great song and it's an even better song if you have the Thundercats like nostalgia. Right. I'm going to micromanage this and say I like the All Work and No Playlist version better. I like the gold version less. And I like the the original 2001 mix better. Or, or the same. Of uh, the same. Except it... Too bad it wasn't on All Work, No Playlist. But it was on All Work, No Play. Uh, who's that calling? What? I hear someone calling on the phone. Let's go to him now. April, you got to be good. Not a repeat performance of last night. Oh, yeah. Last night, she was so bad on the podcast. She kept, like, coming over to us and demanding food. She thought we were having dinner at the the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a novelty thing for us. We don't eat dinner at the dinner table usually. So So I have to be formal, and this is weird because you're our friend, but welcome to the podcast, our friend (laughs) Matt Kiernan who is Heavy Ordnance Studios online. I mentioned this before, but a bunch of our listeners who also listen to Magnified Pod are probably familiar with your work from their last two seasons and the artwork that you did for those sh- for that show. Yes? Yes, uh, I didn't know if that was <laughs> Sorry, <a> that was... <laughs> Jump in anytime. That was your introduction. That Matt. was my That's introduction. <laughs> and you're our friend from, from college. We already explained all of that before you were here. So... <laughs> And we kind of threw this at you, but the truth is, is that I had been thinking about this, like, since we started the podcast, I was like, we have to have Matt on the Thundercats episode so that Danny has somebody to talk Thundercats with. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. So the first thing we got to ask about, and we talked about this before, is part of the, another big part of the reason why we thought to have you on to talk Thundercats is because do you remember your wedding gift to us. It had to have been fairly low rent because I was really broke then. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what we hinted at. We even talked about how anyone else from Full Sail that we invited, because it had only been like, uh, oh, it had been five years. It had been, it was two years. It, it was like two years after we graduated. Well, we graduated, we graduated in 2007. So it was three years in, in our, oh, there we go. Yeah. But I'm sure not three calendar years because I'm sure. Whatever. It had only been a couple of years. People are still dealing with like the nuclear fallout that is college, uh, financial fallout that is college. So we were not, we understood that all of our college friends wouldn't be able to get us like big presents or whatever. So we tried to have cheap things on the list, but those cheap things on the, on the wedding registries went really quickly. So like they weren't there for our college friends. Like we basically should have made a separate 
registry just for full sale students. But then you gave us something that was basically handmade. And do you remember what that was? I'm glad was, you don't remember exactly. I guess if it was, if it was something back then, it had to have been uh, probably decal related or something because yes. of the print job I was at. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You gave us. These- I'm, I'm putting lines together now. <laughs> Go on. I won't steal your thunder for it though. Please tell us what it was. You gave us, there's so, there's so many puns you're giving right now and you don't mean to like lions <laughs> and thunder. Um, you gave us these like giant size decals of the Thundercats logo. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have them somewhere because I wasn't going to put them on our cars. <laughs> and if I had, they'd be gone because we don't have those we don't use we don't have those cars anymore but i've got them somewhere i don't know if there's do you think they'd still be good after 10 years of not having been peeled off like does that you work in you worked in decal so do you know like does that sticky stuff last 10 years oh yeah okay good i think that like so long as the condition they were kept like if they were kept flat and like away from the sun and stuff yeah Oh yeah, definitely. Because I, I, they, I, we come across them every like move or every time we. I'm pretty sure that they're in like a box organized. with posters and like books like and frames stuff. Yeah. and stuff in our storage unit. Yeah, somewhere. So it's so funny you didn't even remember that that's what it was, but that's another major reason why you're on this episode. <laughs> well, cool. Then we can get into into why that is later when it comes into like obviously like what what is your fascination with it? You know this kids show. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, we can just get into that. So what was your, <laughs> honestly, like that's what we're, you're here for. Um, what was your connection to Thundercats growing up? So we had, like it was, I, I was right in the sweet spot for when, you know, it was on TV. And uh, I don't know if you saw on Hulu, they're like 60 episodes for season one or something insane. Right. Because I kept scrolling like, oh, surely you can't get past like 24 or something. And no, there's a lot more than that. So I'm either they didn't know how seasons worked back then. Right. Or, <laughs> or I think... episodes have just been mating and creating new ones, which right. I have a theory for later. <laughs> um, but uh... <laughs> I think the real reason to be to to chop down the joke but it's like a lot of those 80s cartoons and i think even cartoons today like on cartoon network the first season is always like a giant load of episodes and then they slow down later on because basically they want to put this they want a ton of episodes so they can fill daily spots because like Mm -hmm. thundercats was a daily tv show not even a weekly tv show so they needed 60 episodes if you only had 24 then you'd be done with it after a month so mm-hmm. they would have these massive first run seasons and then they would do like half of that the next season because they never knew when they were going to get canceled. So they wouldn't do quite as many as the first season. Okay, that's interesting. It destroys my theory, but not very. <laughs> they go Danny. Sorry. <laughs> no, my theory was ridiculous. Um, it was purely for a, uh, for, for a joke, but um. <laughs> But this was probably my first between this and He-Man are my first and earliest links to something that is like nostalgia. So when, you know, you see it now, you're like, oh, God, I remember like, you know, all the all the fond memories of of, of that. You know, you block out the bad stuff back then. But like mm-hmm. the it, it was representative of a lot of the like the earliest goodest times. Um, so what do you what are your favorite memories from Thundercats then? So we had. We had a, a cassette tape, uh, you know, because back, you know, how TV was back then. It's like when you caught the new ones, awesome. Uh, but when those were off the air, that was it. 
Like, I don't even think it was syndicated anywhere else uh, that I can remember anyway back then. So we had a cassette tape uh, that had two episodes on it. I don't ever remember the second episode, but I remember the crap out of the first one. And it was easily one of the best ones. Uh, and we watched that ad nauseum. Like I'm sure my parents know every line and uh, image of that one as well, because we watched it so many times. Was it the first, first episode or it was just the first no. episode? You, okay. It was just the it, first. Yeah. There were, there were two episodes on a tape and like, it gotcha. was, and I even remembered, I even remembered the title of it so I could find it real easy after watching the first two episodes and being like, wow. All right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then like, let me go to the one I think I remember is cool. And I watched that one and I'm like, yeah, this one, this one's where, where uh, Mumra is being more of a mad scientist and like, just so, so uh, it's his character is so fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, so you mentioned you also liked He-Man because I would always get He-Man and Thundercats mixed up because the big, because it's not even like the whole show is the same, but one, you have a mummy, the other, mm-hmm. you have a skeleton and in both shows, you have a scaredy cat sidekick, yep. even though one of them transforms into Battle Cat, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's like, and he then, doesn't spend too much time as Battle Cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I would always mix those up. And then um, when we watch, when Jessica and I watched the first three episodes of the series overall, and we're like, there's so much, it's, they're already kind of, I don't know which came first, He Man or Thundercats, but they're clearly like, incestuous with each other in some way with all these elements that are clearly copying each other and then thundercats has so much star wars in it i had no idea as a kid like it's all subtle and it's all buried in the fact that they're cat people but there's so much star wars reference in thundercats you have jaga who's obi-wan kenobi Mm -hmm. you have a magic sword uh lion is basically luke without you know with the added story element of him aging up suddenly and then you have literal ewoks who are robots mm-hmm. like it's star wars it's 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 a cat-based star wars <laughs> <laughs> or television show i just I, I need to hear the argument for like you know i i, I like that it's thundercats i like the story you're headed uses a lot of these similar elements but uh cat people and like <laughs> the guy who is into like who is going to fight that detail to the death to have that in there <laughs> Because one thing it did do, like, so one big thing between, uh, because I love animation, and this is actually where I come the most as an adult, why I like Thundercats still, is that the animation is phenomenal. They do a lot of things that, like, He-Man recycles a ton, right? Like, anytime a character turns around, you know, or or runs at the screen for whatever reason, or there's a punch, like, you you just see a lot of recycled animation. And that's fine. Budgetary concerns. You got to do three trillion episodes for the first season makes sense uh but thundercats is not that way not a lot not a lot is uh is reused it looks like you know there's a lot of unique camera angles and while it's not always perfect whenever they did like action scenes and stuff it was pretty intense especially considering how detailed the characters were especially in their musculature and their build and everything whereas a lot of he-man was rotoscoped over a couple they had some models like you'll notice that like skeletor and he-man have like almost the same build because they use the same guy as art oh, reference. Okay. Like, you know, when their titties are the same size. <laughs> <laughs> but that like made it bad because like there are times where the animation in He-Man is very, like very fluid, you know, because they're like, oh boy, we're going to produce this animation and we're going to use it 
over and over again. <laughs> like when mm-hmm. he throws something from a profile perspective. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much, you know, like it's almost like a work. He threw a, the uh, workout ball or something, you know, a big sandbag or something. And uh, they'll just put, you know, a tree, a truck, whatever he throws in that particular instance. Right. Um, there's not a lot of that in, in Thundercats, but everyone looks like everyone's proportions are so good and stuff. And uh, you know, it's it, in that respect, I think it's kind of wild. I was just, when you said, when you were comparing these, I was thinking like, let me put it this way. So He-Man, I had to look it up, but they were by Filmation mm-hmm. who were kind of that infamous cheap quality animation that was trying to directly compete with Hanna-Barbera. So okay. that's why they both have, I've definitely seen a number of like different YouTube documentaries that talk about this, but I'm trying to look at what else Filmation did. Like they did all of the DC comic shows from the time, like Super Friends and all of the mm-hmm. offshoots. They did a bunch of the Archie and Sabrina shows from the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the Star Trek, the animated series. Ah, uh, yeah. They did the original Ghostbusters with, you know, with the gorilla in the team. They did a, t- <laughs> there's a ton of shows here. There's like shows you like Space Academy, Space Sentinels, <laughs> Arc 2, like, but they're all uh, groovy ghoulies, which Jessica and I like. But this is definitely like, <laughs> that was a studio known for its recycled animation because I think it even was a lot of Hanna-Barbera people, mm-hmm. but then Thundercats was done by Rankin Bass mm-hmm. who are known for the stop motion animation uh, Christmas specials, like that classic stop motion animation Christmas thing that mm-hmm. everyone knows. And then when it's parodied in elf or television commercials, it's, they're referencing Rankin Bass. Yeah, this was I learned from a YouTube show called Toy Galaxy that I was telling you about before we started. Mm-hmm. This was Rankin Bass's first foray into television animation. So they basically I, I now I'm extrapolating on what he was saying. I don't know this for certain, but it seems like Rankin Bass comes from stop motion. So they're going to put details into it. They're going to make things more fluid. They're going to spend more time per frame than filmation would. And they're going to act and it's their first TV show out. So they're going to like actually put some work into it. Yeah. And, he, and, I, and if I remember correctly, they would go on to do um, Silverhawks, which is very, even right. borrowed some of the same, uh, same voice talent and, and right. animations, similar, if not even better in that than it was in Thundercats. Yeah. I told Jessica a little bit about Silverhawks. Yeah. Danny was like, do you know Silverhawks? And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely less popular than Thundercats. But, yeah. oh, I forgot to tell this story in the regular section of the podcast. So I can tell both of you now. I had a bunch of Silverhawks and Thundercats toys when I was a kid. And I remember them being in these special, like, plastic cubbies. Like, my, that's where how my mom sorted my toys. Right? Mm-hmm. They were almost like the kind of stuff you put flour in. like your, Or cookies. <laughs> they were like cookie jars. <laughs> but they were plastic and they were meant for holding toys. And I'm who knows how young I'm, I could be like three or it could be five, but I was very young. And one night I got up and I was, yeah, I was just old enough to take my, to take myself to the bathroom. So I get up to go to the bathroom and I trip and I fall into these cubbies filled with silver Hawks toys. And my parents come running and it's like two in the morning, you know, it's, you know, it's two in the morning. They come running like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm, and I'm actually being a big boy about it. I'm like, no, I'm all right. I just fall down. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't my tone of voice. I was a little boy. But in my mind, I'm like, no, it's okay. I just fall down. But I really was like, not, you know, I was like, it's okay. It's okay. And then they were like, okay, all right, well. And then I go to the bathroom and then, you know, they go back to bed and I'm like, 
damn, I was a little kid. I'm like, damn, I just gave up an opportunity for like comfort. Like what, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I just gave up an opportunity for them to like, be like, Oh, you're okay. You know? And I just, I was just shrugged it off and tried to be a man at that moment. So my solution to that was when I went back into my room to purposely fall back over the toys. <laughs> so my parents would come back in and this time they could comfort me, but this time they come in and they're like, okay, we know, we <laughs> go to sleep. And I was like, I was like, how did this not work? Boiled. I, I know. So that's my biggest memory of the silver ox. <laughs> <laughs> Until Toonami started playing them again in the late 90s. And I'm like, oh, they were called the Silver Hawks. I didn't even remember what they were called until they were back on Toonami, like post-Dragon Ball Z, when Toonami was looking for anything that could mm-hmm. like, build up a cult. Mm-hmm. Thundercats was definitely, the old Thundercats was definitely played on Cartoon Network in the late 90s as like a nostalgia thing for Toonami as well. Yeah, just before Dragon Ball Z. Because right. that was, it would, that's when I would leave the room is when Dragon Ball came mm-hmm. up. Right, you hate Dragon Ball, so we'll do it's a not Dragon that I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the Dragon Ball episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, Reliant K did a song for them too, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so tell us what you thought of the Reliant K song, because we had you listen to that as well. So, of course, not knowing, having anything, I had no idea what was going to come. Um, I thought it was, like, it was, as far as, you know, a lot of things, I'm surprised at how many things are, like, ready to, like, is this, is this a family podcast? Can I say shit? We, yeah, you, yeah, you can. Okay. We'll, we'll bleep, we bleep it as a joke now. We oh, weren't okay. sure what Reliant K fans would want us to swear or not. So we just didn't. And then okay. we started swearing and then we started bleeping it as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, you never know when someone's going to either, you know, it, it's more often than not, someone's going to shit on the, on the Thundercats. And um, so it was very, it was a pleasant surprise to hear this song. And it didn't, if it did, I missed it because it felt like it was just, it felt more like a nice homage uh, mm-hmm. to it rather than anything else. And, you know, it, was, it had a nice little punk swing to it. I liked it. Good. That's yeah, nice. Ov- overall fair experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll listen again. Oh, good. Uh, any other, oh, you were, what do you think of the Thundercats logo? Because you, we were talking about how, you know, and you know what? I don't actually, we don't really know all of your background as far as the art that you do you're super talented and Uh. like I was (laughs) well you know I I connected you with magnified pod because I knew you could like directly copy Doug to Naples style and that's what they wanted for their second (laughs) season and then you do all this other stuff as well and you've been in printing and you you know you do all kinds of great artwork so you were talking to us about you were talking to me about how the Thundercats logo is like a perfect logo and now i'm just i was going to ask you about that but now i'm like well can you give us some because we don't even know it can you give us some background on your your art background well i i was so in high school i enjoyed art like that was the that was the one class i knew i was signing up for every single year and uh everything else was kind of like well what's the furthest i can go i guess because everyone you know you want college credits or whatever high school's dumb but um uh so from there I found that I could get into computer illustration and everything that that could do. And then like, all right, how can I turn this into money? They have this thing called graphic design. It's really just Photoshop with words. And um, like that kind of sprang into teaching myself uh, painfully what graphic design is (laughs) for many, many years. But um, yeah, it's uh, like, that's, that's where, you know, most of that works. I'm mostly self-taught because everyone asks, you know, when I'm in graphic design, did you go to school for that? 
no, I did not. Hmm. <laughs> I went to film school. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. So, but, but I did get fascinated with the communication element of graphic design. And so where that ties into Thundercats with this is that the logo for the show outclasses the show entirely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like logo is too good for that show. Um, right. And I'm so glad they put it everywhere because it deserves to be. It's just, it, it communicates so much and what, it, what it is, I don't know, but it is ferocious and very in your face and uh, kudos to like, I should know who designed it and created it the first time through, but I do not. Right. And so when I, when I started making the stickers, um, we had, we were printing on really expensive material at, at work at the time because we did emergency vehicles and uh, there's always like room to like put extra stuff, you know, cause, cause that material is so expensive by the square foot square inch. You almost, you know, that when, when you're in cents per square inch, that's expensive. That stuff was just glorious. When you hit it with the, you know, when you hit it with the light, it's reflective material. You guys got it on the good stuff. And um, I just, there were these spots where I'm like, God, I could just put something here. So much wasted space. And so I went back and like got the screen screen grab from the, the intro where it's front and center, you know, and does that really cool morph that I can't even explain. I've looked at it so many times. I've seen the intro of the show so many times. Mm-hmm. I had, so I took a screen grab of the logo, vector traced it in Illustrator and had it to where I had both a cutout version and um, the printout version. I had it like, uh, I want to say eight inch, six inch and four inch decals. And so I just, anytime there was a job that had a bunch of blank space, I just stuffed them in there to cut them out later. Mm-hmm. And so I had a whole stack of those bad boys and I was giving them to people that, it's like, oh, you're like, oh, do you remember this? You know, some I, I, who knows? My parents had a whole bunch, and they had one on like every car for years. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Easy to pick them out of the parking lot. <laughs> it is a great logo. It really I, is when you look at it. Like, and compared to the rest of the show's sort of design, which is a lot more quirky, it's very yeah, it's, mature. I hear that logo. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. <laughs> Um, but also that was back in the day where theme songs and stuff were just so bitching between the He-Man right. intro. Like, I know it's cheesy, but I've listened to it <laughs> numerous times with the narration <laughs> and everything. <laughs> That's probably a lot of nostalgia talking, but like, I don't know, just the way, the way it's composed, the instrumental to it and everything. And Thundercats is the same, uh, even if the, the song is less complicated, even than He-Man's somehow. Right. Uh, still a jam. Um, the Thundercats theme song is also like, I feel like one of the, not the theme sequence is one of the first ones where the, the theme animation almost matches up to the show. Yeah. Cause you were mm-hmm. even saying like, there was so much work put into the show. And of course there's not as much cause those theme sequences in eighties cartoons would always be sent off to like the highest class Asian studio to animate mm-hmm. so that like you grab the kids with like basically theatrical level, theme song that you only paid for like a minute and a half worth of it mm-hmm. and then you go into your filmation cheap animation for the rest of the show but thundercats the theme sequence and the show were almost matched up whereas other things weren't and i guess like ninja turtles which came just a hair later that also was kind of almost the same because that was also theatrical level mm-hmm. theme sequence and the animation was was also pretty good on ninja turtles yeah it's because uh, it's what they like what they call on model like the everything looks it's very the look is consistent from the super flashy awesome intro into the show right like it's not one-to-one all the time but like 
you know, as far as like mouth lining up to expressions and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, the animation on the ones, the the nice, the well produced one, mm. mm-hmm. animation is excellent. And one other thing I learned researching the show that we didn't bring up earlier in the episode is that there were only six voice actors for the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then there were eventually they hired two more in the last season. <laughs> But that was it. That was it. They had six (laughs) people doing every voice, which is a little easier because they are on like a battle planet. So it's like, you know, characters only exist as they are needed. Mm -hmm. But still, that's amazing that six people did all those voices. Yeah. Yeah. It shows a good range. I want to say the only one that I could really notice was the guy that does uh, Tigra. He's also Monkey Man, I want to say his name was. Like okay. that, that guy's voice is easy to pick out. Everyone else is a little tough for me, at least in the ones I saw recently. So did you have any notes on the rewatch of <laughs> different? Because <laughs> we, we watched the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the first episode of the 2011 show, which mm-hmm. is basically Thundercats, The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. <then>, yeah. <laughs> and then I watched a six minute cut down of the Thundercats Roar pilot. <laughs> Which yeah. I also sent to you. Which I did watch. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I did muscle. I did muscle the whole thing. Yeah, we didn't even about. talk about that yet. But basically, Thundercats in the last two years was redone as a wacky schmackety cartoon for kids with the bean mouth and the mm-hmm. cal art style. And and I saw one review. It's like blame Steven Universe for this. I'm like Steven Universe wasn't this wacky. I think what actually you have to blame for this is Teen Titans Go. And the uh, world of Gumball, the exciting world of Gumball or the wonderful world of Gumball or whatever it's called. Like mm-hmm. those are like more wacky, like expressive over the top cartoons with like cartoon physics and stuff. And those were popular. So then they thought they could do it with Thundercats as well. Yeah, I think that's where the flaw is, is like, you know, the, the amazing world of Gumball. Uh, the animation in that is fantastic because it does not settle on a single like it doesn't even settle on a medium. You know, there's 3D in there sometimes uh, with 2D characters. And I won't, I won't get into my whole thing with Gumball, but like that was, you know, those, those are original characters being lunatics. Um, who thought, you know, what this would go well with? <laughs> Do you guys remember that cartoon from the '80s that like was fairly serious but just fantasy enough to like, you know, sell the muscular toys <laughs> and everyone look really cool and have one of like the coolest bad guys in all of '80s cartoons, like? Let's make that as stupid as fucking possible. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, pretend like everyone should love it. That's what that's what in- instantly made me enraged about it. Uh, when it came out. But when I gave it this chance, when you sent me the link, like I was like, fine, let's go. Uh, so I hated the <laughs> intro, but um, because like, you know, you can't top the original even if you tried. But I did like so in the show, they almost recreate some of the old show musical themes like exactly which is Mm -hmm. pretty cool because that's a big part of uh, nostalgia too so i'm like they were either milking it or uh they identified a good thing and recreated it because a lot of the musical a lot of musical parts of thundercats like were reused a lot especially in like little little bits where it's like thundercats are on loose like they'll say that once sometimes (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like oh okay there's that's all part of the song they're gonna use for that right they recreated a bunch of that and used that tastefully which i thought was kind of neat so that there was like a love for it but then i guess there was also just some deep-rooted hate and why they would do this to the show <laughs> um the, uh, but the uh, i will note the improvement to snarf because 
watching this again as an adult, Snarf is insufferable. And every time right. he's, he's either <laughs> any, anytime he's mentioned on screen, off screen, and I can hear him. Ouch. It hurts. It hurts right. a lot. Um, I noticed Snarf doesn't talk in any of the reboots. He doesn't talk in the 2011 show and he doesn't talk on Thundercats Roar. He didn't yeah. talk in the Wii. Yeah, at least he didn't talk in the one episode I watched. So somehow like later on, they were like, yeah, Snarf doesn't talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like if there's if there's ever like the, the He-Man thing that's coming up on Netflix, um, let, let's see what they do with Orko. You know, it's very similar, like shut up. Right. Like, please. That was a bad idea then. So yeah, that was probably the biggest improvement. But one of my favorite parts of the original show that I guess has wasn't read wasn't done as well in the twenty we said twenty fourteen twenty eleven twenty eleven series is that like just the original performance and animation of Mumra is still not topped yet by gotcha. a lot of things. Um, I don't even think I saw a clip of Mumra from the twenty eleven show yet because I only watched the first episode. Right. Yeah. So he he shows up later and like his you know, one of the things that I remember so strong from, from, I used to like do it in the car. I, I was like working on when I was you know, working on voice acting stuff, I was like actually working on an impression of Lino because it's silly. Um, and, and my impression of Mumra having them talk back and forth because I was alone in the car and no one could hear me. <laughs> Mumra's voice in his performance is something that's so terrifying. And I remembered so, vi- so vividly. Um, that his uh, like summoning to become Mumra and his laugh after all of that mm-hmm. with the music cue and everything was always something that was very striking and has a presence to this day. The one episode that I watched was uh, called Spitting Image, which is the where I even learned that term. And I was like five. <laughs> like, what does that mean? And it just <laughs> never left my brain. But um, it's the one where he makes a clone of Panthro and he goes and the whole the whole plan is to get the surrounding people that they've made their friends to go and uh, to and to discredit the Thundercats by having Panthro that one go and beat everything like destroy the town's boats and set them on fire and shit and he does it by like making a clone after having him kidnapped it's a very interesting plan it's very mad scientist that like there are two parts to the whole thing it's crazy um, it's nonsensical in the best way you know, he drops like Panthro into a chasm. And that was another thing I liked about the show too. There was a creativity about like what third earth was. There's this infinite chasm that every 30 seconds kind of uh, shoots like plasma out of it. Uh-huh. There's a forest made entirely of iron, which is like a perpetual thunderstorm, like lightning storm that's dangerous to go into. And all of these are like, God, this is, this is like good stuff to pull from to if they were ever going to do something more with it, which right. I don't know if they ever did with the 2011 one, but. apparently it was canceled after the first season even though they had seasons two and three mapped out and then the live action film is supposedly been in work warner brothers bought the whole series i found this all out because i researched it all i did was read the wikipedia and watch no no no. i just yeah i've I've heard of the like there's been rumbles of a live action for like 20 years now um, I'm just laughing at the thought of a, of a live action. We didn't get to it, but I did find one person basically made their vision board for what the live action Thundercats movie would be set to the Reliant K song. And then with Todd, when they basically made like side by side comparisons of everyone they were casting in the movie. And I can't remember everyone. There was like Ryan Gosling was in there. And this is, this is old enough that like Elle Fanning was going to be cat or kit or whichever one's the female one. Mm-hmm. So this is like an older one, like he, Elle Fanning couldn't play her anymore unless it's like CGI, I guess. But yeah, it was pretty funny. 
And um, multiple people have taken like fan works and existing uh, 3D CGI elements and made fake trailers for the live action movie. Mm-hmm. But supposedly because of HBO Max, the movie is because it's owned by Warner Brothers now, mm-hmm. like uh, Mortal Kombat. They want to <laughs> like try to push Thundercats as the next possible franchise. If you go on the Wikipedia, it says that the live action Thundercats movie is really in the works since 2018. Now, who knows? But if if they got Ryan Gosling to play Snarf, I'd see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least he would shut the up. <laughs> so, Matt, did you have your sexual awakening to Chitara? I don't know if it was a sexual awakening. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things that like it gets so blurry. Like, was it always there? Uh, but right. you know, it's as an adult, you're like, you know, you, when you watch it again, you're like, how did they get away with that? <laughs> yeah. And, but also, too, kudos to them. Fantastic right. Good job. Good job, whoever did that. I found this video after between when we recorded the main portion of the episode and now. I found this video where somebody goes through and tries to systematically determine which kind of cat everyone is because it's apparently not as like biologically sound as it's, as it's supposed to be, or as people think it is like who's supposed to be a Panther and who's supposed to be a lion and who's supposed to be a cheetah. And like, it's not, I guess all the actual existing evidence that we see in the characters doesn't hold up to necessarily everything and i'm like i'm not watching this whole 17 minute video (laughs) and it came i mean it seems pretty spelled out to me right well it came up because we talked about it last night because there's a demo to this to the reliant k song Mm -hmm. and in that he says that chitara wore leopard skins Mm. but then they change it to cheetah skins in the final album version and it's like, well, maybe they are leopard skins, legally speaking, like design wise. <laughs> and in the original demo, they didn't want to uh, cheat the reality of it. But then in the final album version, they're like, well, people are going to get confused if we say leopard. So we just got to say cheetah. Well, one of the things one of the things I remember from from the design of Chitara, you know, not that I've studied it that intently, um, is that the, the pattern on her face is reminiscent of like the like so in a cheetah it's got like like the black surrounding their eyes it's fairly reminiscent of that too okay like so like they like i the i've i've looked up you know the the behind the scenes i like there's a facebook thing i follow that's that's a lot of like character design stuff so you get to see the back the the behind the scenes like art drops the models and stuff that they that they went from and and so like like everyone was pretty well designed like they there there's a lot of uh, a lot of attention to detail went to it even though if there's not that much in the costume department for a lot of them um there, there's enough to chew on and i always thought it very impressive you know it's one thing like gi joe and stuff where everyone's got like these uh you know the clothes you know when 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 a character has clothes it's easy to like kind of not easier to manipulate but like where a shirt can be a box instead of like the, the human chest all the time um, it's just more lines to draw, you know, and something that if you mess it up, like, you know, you messed it up. Whereas like a shirt is like, oh, it's a shirt, you know, draw it for four different frames. And as long as it looks somewhat like a shirt, you're fine. But, uh, you know, Chitara, for instance, who is like just the nude female form uh, without <laughs> any, yeah. <laughs> like ev- everyone, like, like all of the Thundercats are so well drawn, like 80% of the time. 
that it, that's something that you know as as a you know as an artist that I look at and it's just they nail it a lot a lot more than I thought they would and it doesn't always and not like uh, not like He-Man where it, it is very much rotoscoped over which is you know it's not cheating if it looks good like no one mm-hmm. cares you know it, it very much doesn't look like it was rotoscoped in Thundercats and so like some real artists had their hand in in getting that done and so I appreciate that a lot. That's like super fascinating. I'm happy that we had you on this episode because like I would not even think to talk about the art stuff. <laughs> that's that's one of the, the the more adult justifications I have for the show. So I'm like, oh yeah, Thundercats is awesome. And like, you know, naturally everyone's like, so Chitara, right? And like, nah, I didn't even, didn't even think about that until just now, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is fascinating how, how they got that in there, but especially like watching the first episode too. I'm like, oh, I don't remember them being so naked. Yeah. And then then it's like, here are some clothes. And it's like, oh, everyone gets clothes and weapons and knows how to use them. And the clothes kind of don't do anything except for Panthro. Panthro's clothes are the only things that come in and like come into handy later. But, you know, that's another thing is they kind of did a lot with what they had back then, especially for the design of the characters and stuff. Like there are a bunch of little things that I think were, were better than expected for the show, even if watching it the second episode was painful the first one was like all right origin pilot you get a pass right uh but boy that second episode was tough like where they're like fighting mumra in the in the woods or something no yeah and then mumra just screams for 25 minutes looking into the reflection Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and then flies away like that did it i guess and so they never once thought that like carry mirrors around you know like bam that there's and i don't even know if that weakness is ever brought up again i didn't investigate that hard i'm like all right i gotta go to the one i remember that's cool but yeah so i didn't see the third one but the second one was was rough (laughs) and then there was another one i watched that was also it was hilarious because i read in the description for the episode that um mumra disguises himself as one of the little bear people (laughs) awesome i gotta watch that it's so funny yeah or like or yeah he just he yeah he disguises himself as a bear first he's a he's a trickster mumra you know where like because I, I do like in the second episode where he's like i'll go get the sword and then uh when when the three mutants are like oh you came back did you do it did you get it and he just silently it just it's the animation in reverse of him coming out of his thing and going it's like I noticed that too. It's like it's just every he just so he's just it, it translates as him shamefully going back into his hole and not explaining that why he didn't get it while they're all like, ha ha, told you so. I'm like, wow, what is happening right now? <laughs> Who's in charge here, Mumra? Get your shit straight. <laughs> and uh, him, so then him like going to all these depths to like, I'm going to transform into one of the little bear things. Like that was because also too, when you watch that episode, it is fantastic how he does the whole like ancient spirits of evil, um, does his whole thing. And then he's Mumra and he's huge. And then he's like, all right, ancient spirits of evil again, turn me into one of those little bears. And then they do it. And he's like, ha ha, yes, they'll never know. I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. <laughs> and in, in the rest just happens. I don't remember what happens that much after that. But um, oh, like he just does these little looks and winks into the camera with his red eyes that he's a demon. <laughs> you that guys one's worth know watching. what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, and there's another time he like he just disguises himself as as things that are he becomes like so petty where I remember him being so terrifying. I think it's because his mouth is perpetually wet with this white goo. <laughs> like oh, stop teeth. it. You're scaring me. 
Wait, so do they just stay on that same planet or do they ever leave and go to other planets? I think in season two, they leave. Like they, okay. they, they found a new fun, like Thundera or something. Um, but don't quote me on that. Like it's, I feel awful that you brought me on as the, the Thundercats expert. Yeah, I don't remember most anything past <laughs> the first three or four episodes because we had the, the collection of the pilot of the first few episodes on a tape on a Mm -hmm. retail sold tape when I was a kid and I watched that a ton Mm -hmm. and I watched the show as a kid but I just didn't memorize or or they didn't burn into my DNA any other episode whereas I can quote you or I can explain a dozen Ninja Turtles episodes that I haven't (laughs) seen since then but I can't really explain many other Thundercats episodes I only ask because I love just like the design and everything when they're on the spaceship and so then once they got to the planet my interest just started steadily declining (laughs) by the time we were in like episode two and three like I was just not paying attention at all I finally got Jessica in the anime through the most unlikely form which is like the cheapest OVA anime of the 80s like she doesn't Jessica doesn't want to watch like the you know well-loved animes of the Mm. 90s or even more recently like she wants to watch like a really cheap crappy anime that's literally forgotten that that company is totally dissolved and it will never be issued on video again and it's just (laughs) on YouTube and no copyright holder is contesting it so that animation that animation cheap anime style is very similar to seven to 80s American animation because it was all the same it was all a lot of the same studios working yeah. on those things yes uh what pacific animation corporation or something like that I forget what the animation right. company was but they were they were churning them out back then but like good you know compare that to a lot of American animation back then and even today like the teen titans go and right <laughs> And like, you know, not to slam them as artists or whatever. Like there's an audience for everything. I just thought the the combination of the two, like who put like someone put these ideas together, like no one would remember. It's like we're not dead yet. You know? Right. And neither are you. Like, how can you say you love this and create that? Ugh, I'm sure it's fine for children. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's there, there's like there's no room in that in that show for like, and not even for the show that they created originally for Thundercats for that logo to be all over the place. <laughs> that logo is like, it's like heavy metal. Right. Yeah. Heavy that's, metal's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would love like something like, and we're talking about heavy metal, like the magazine and everything, right? Yeah. Well, she, yeah, Jessica's talking about the movie. I mean, I did like the movie though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Which yeah. Is- uh, like that kind of treatment to Thundercats might be something fascinating. Maybe even using the sword for once. Which was also a fascinating rule of cartoons back then that even He-Man didn't use his sword unless it was to like hit a building or hit a tree or hit. Oh, right. You know, he never even shot, like it never cut anything as far as I remember. <laughs> it had lasers that would shoot out of it. <laughs> to like stun people or hurt them or hit them never cause pain. It was like, it was a weird rule back then with cartoons that are not weird. Like you're going to have fantasy violence. Um, you you also had, huh? Oh, I was, yeah, sorry. I was just going to basically say what you were saying. The fantasy violence was like no death and everything else. And you had to have like a, a very plain moral at the end. Right. You know, like don't steal or lie, you know, but that's two episodes. You can't do them both on one. That'd be confusing. 
and they didn't want like direct contact violence. Yeah. There's, I think it was, there was the He-Man documentary that Adam Goldberg produced that I watched and I've seen it in a number of other places. Anytime Bruce Tim from Batman, the animated series is, and Paul Dini are talking about, no, Paul Dini, not Bruce Tim. Anytime Paul Dini is in a documentary talking about animation and how it led up to him working on Batman, the animated series, it's this, the eighties was this bizarre confluence of two completely conflicting ideas where one, <laughs> one, the Reagan administration, this is all true. The mm-hmm. Reagan administration lifted uh, the laws or the sanctions or whatever that said you couldn't directly market to children. Like we had those laws or you could market to children, but in the way in which you couldn't like, basically, basically they lifted some sort of children ad- advertising laws that opened the door to all of those amazing toy commercials that were cartoon shows. Mm-hmm. Like before you basically had to make a cartoon show and then the advertising was the advertising, but now suddenly the cartoons in the eighties legally could be the advertising themselves and get the kids wanting the toys. Mm-hmm. So that's allowed. But then at the same time you have all these networks are super conservative and they are afraid of even the most meager violence (laughs) and like everyone being okay. They just get in a little scuffle, but now they can't even fight fight. So it's like these two completely conflicting things. It's like openly advertised to children openly, like win their hearts and minds with products, but (laughs) don't have them fight, which is what they're going to do when they buy the toys anyway. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until pretty much the nineties and with like a Batman, the animated series where, and the Warner, the Warner uh, animation Renaissance, I guess, like the television Renaissance with like Spielberg coming in mm-hmm. and doing and Amblin working on cartoons that they were actually like, we can have, they fought against the networks that were like so staunch on violence and stuff. Yeah. I swear yeah. this comes up in a number of Warner Brothers and Batman documentaries and that He-Man documentary that I watch all the time. Well, it's true. Like the, yeah. just the, the violence in cartoons in America, Japan, that's why anime is awesome. Um, right. <clears throat> uh, in, in America, like it was, it was so baffling to have something like He-Man should definitely get the heavy metal treatment. It looks like it was born right out of it. Right. But then, you know, all the cool shit was edited out. Like, yeah, I, I think that, it's it's truly fascinating to go back and look at that especially when like i like the joke i've just come up with now is like what is what is my favorite pair of binoculars in in tv and movies and it's the it's the sort of omens (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the second episode he's like the sort of omens is telling me something is coming and he holds it up to his eyes and then the mutants appear in front of him and then he puts it down and they're there it's not like it warned him he just (laughs) he could have just been looking at that spot and he would have seen them It did not help in it any way. It didn't help at no. all. Danny was getting so mad because, like I said, my interest totally declining as as we as we progress. So I was like, "Oh, I thought it was a sword. Why is it, it looks like a dagger? Is it just a dagger?" And Danny's like, "It grows, Jessica." Like, it was. It, she wasn't bigger. watching the episode. He explained <laughs> it. He used it in the first episode. It's you rub it like this, Lionel. <laughs> yeah. I was like, but he's like running towards the mutants with it as a dagger. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Do you think he should extend it at that point? I'm sure you could still fuck some people up with it, with the sort of <laughs> omens in smaller mode. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the the sort of omens fascinates me as an adult too, because there's a lot of action potential for a sword that doesn't know how long it is, especially when you get to the end of the movie where it's like, oh, I need sort of omens to be the best it's ever been. And then bam, 20 feet long. <laughs> you. 
it slices through everything like you know because it never ever did in the show like that's all that's all fascinating to me right <laughs> i wish i had watched those episodes with you guys because as i was watching them on my own i'm like oh my god the commentary <laughs> for this would be fantastic there's a lot of logic leaps <laughs> and snarf would not shut the hell up well um thank you very much for joining the podcast <laughs> Which, yeah, it's hard for everything i think we covered everything i yeah. think we got it thank you so much it's always very weird you're like the second or third personal friend that we've had on the podcast and it's like uh, i gotta be like thank you so much matt kiernan <laughs> thank you for coming on and, sure, no, it's actually, great it, to know where i where i uh where i rank yeah yeah <laughs> So um, it's it's so weird because you're our friend, but honestly, like, uh, give your plugs and let everyone know where to check you out and and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> um, okay, I have a, I have I really I guess just Instagram is the only thing to plug because the website is is updated as I get to it. But um, uh, at Heavy Ordnance Studios with uh, underscores in between, and then from there I think I have links to like photography and then uh and then the get a ride social thing for don't don't drink and drive anybody there's so many other options <laughs> but uh oh. yeah that's it yep great i wasn't ready, I wasn't ready for plugs <laughs> yeah i know i'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. i should have given you a heads up that we were <laughs> well thanks so much Thank no you. thanks for having me yep. great talking to you yeah.